This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson alongside Michael Remus and uh, busy show today coming off of, well, we said going in on Friday, this is one of the sports weekends of the year, and man, did it deliver. Uh, wasn't great for the Winnipeg Jets, who finished up their road trip. We'll get to that, discuss the weekend in Boston and in Pittsburgh, and look ahead to... Uh, very important week for the Winnipeg Jets as they try to, uh, you know, make up for a little bit of ground that was lost over the course of the last four games on the road. Uh, back tomorrow against Florida. We'll get to that with Remo, as well as Jeff Hamilton coming up a little later on, as well as some bomber news. Stanley Bryant finishing uh, up his contract negotiations and signing with the club on Friday night. Mike Benson back today. And Kyle Walters spoke a little bit earlier. So we'll touch on that, as well as the absolutely bananas weekend in the national football league yes uh took a couple years off my life but oh my god was it worth it uh hey as we get going on the program a big shout out to the sponsors that make winnipeg sports talk happen f apparel vita health fresh market culligan water manitoba battery royal sports not auto corp little brown jug brewing princess auto boston pizza the nick and nicky dq group canadian club whiskey and cool bet canada uh, a big shout out to everyone in the chat, especially Ryan Friesen. Ryan, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you dropped by today. After we found out who won our wager, uh, we'll get to that in a bit. But uh, let's get Remus in here and uh, start this thing off. Remo, what's going on? How good was that over the last couple of days? Oh man, yeah, we said oh it's going to be you know we talk oh it's going to be a great sports weekend. This is going to be so much fun, and uh, yeah, I would say it definitely delivered. The NFL games were absolutely incredible. Um, the Jets games, I thought you know even though they didn't get the two points yesterday, yesterday's game was awesome. I mean that overtime was one of the best ones that you'll see. But uh, disappointing for the Jets. But as far as watching NFL, I mean every game ending on what a last second field goal or overtime uh it was it was fantastic so uh i i had a great weekend i mean i think my wife's like why are you still looking at your phone all weekend and getting pissed off i was like keep saying all oh, these games are so good i'm texting all my friends this is the craziest like uh yesterday it's like i can't believe this comeback uh we can't go out for dinner yet and uh and then the <laughs> evening game i'm just like on the couch like i can't believe what i'm watching it was uh absolutely uh, incredible. So, and we did have, yeah, we had some Jets games too, but uh, it was really, uh, it was really awesome. Yeah. The, I mean, listen, the NFL, and I know everyone's talking about it in the chat. Shout out to Winnipeg Walter. Walter's been down with the Bengals all season long. Um, Bengals, Chiefs, AFC Championship game. Awesome. Oh, Ro Rob Mahoney's popping in a super chat. A fun for Ryan Friesen. That's amazing support, Rob, uh, to help out Ryan in a time of, uh, a time of need. Um, but we're going to spend a lot of time talking NFL today. How could we not coming out of that weekend? We'll, of course, start off with the Winnipeg Jets. We'll get to that with Remus as well as with Jeff Hamilton. And then in the second hour of the program, a, uh, a treat for all of us, the return of the sports rabbi himself, Matt Libel. Libs, I was texting with Libel all weekend long about these football games, and he's like, no, we got to chop it up today. So uh, we'll get Libel on a little bit later on in the program to uh, discuss everything that happens south of the border 
in the four down game. But uh, but Remo, let's get going with the with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and we talked a lot about how difficult and challenging this road trip was going to be. Um, you know, a good test, a good opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets, but they had to make something out of it. And uh, you know, unfortunately, yesterday. Uh, you know, two points were there for the taking. I mean, a really fun, really exciting game. Um, but the way things fell apart for the Jets in the third period in a matter of nine seconds, um, hey, it gave us some free hockey, which was really entertaining. But the Jets needed two points. And um, you know, as we heard from Connor Hellebuck after the game, that one really stings. Yeah, that was, I mean, I agree. The way that they played um, was so well. Uh, you know, they had so many chances. Kyle Connor, I mean, odd man rushes. And I think you were definitely worried going into the game, back-to-back on an afternoon against Pittsburgh. You know, I think I think a lot of conf- people's confidence in the Jets is kind of lowering as they, you know, didn't get points on this road trip. You know, two of a possible eight, not ideal. But I think the game yesterday showed you that this is still a pretty good hockey team. Uh, you know, they can bring out when they want to. And I think you want to see that more. Now, the Thursday's game was extremely disappointing against Nashville, but you know, it was a close game on Saturday against Boston. And, you know, yesterday, maybe they get an extra power play uh, from the officials, especially in overtime. I thought there was a couple uh, that could have been called us. Uh, I mean, I'm not blaming the officials. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to blame them, but it would have been nice, you know, when your goalie gets run, us. Uh, to get a call or, you know, when there's a big hooking penalty would have been nice for those calls. But, um, you know, yesterday's game, aside from those, the, the nine seconds, yes, the, the nine seconds, uh, I mean, you had the tip in off the skate and then Hellbuck goes to play the puck. And I know a lot of people in chat uh, have been talking about Hellbuck's puck handling all season or even the past couple. And he just gives it right to Jeff Carter. It's such a, a bad news. And I don't want to kill Hellbuck because, I mean, he's the reason why they're in the game. He's the reason why... They've been in a lot of games, but that's a, that's a rough way to lose when you've pretty much played your, what your a game. It was, uh, I mean, listen, you saw all the, all the tweets afterwards about, uh, you know, the coaches need to put a shock collar on hell of a, doesn't get out. I mean, it's not the first time we've seen that before. Um, but listen, sometimes, I mean, as great of a goaltender as he is, I mean, the puck handling is not a strength of Connor Hellebuck. That, unfortunately, is just a fact. And sometimes he handles the puck like it's a hand grenade with a pin pulled. And, um, you know, the, the decision that he made, the angle that he put, a, uh, put it to, and the fact that there were no Winnipeg Jets there, just Jeff Carter, was a real unfortunate gaffe that um, very quickly ended up in the back of the net and as we mentioned nine seconds to go from a two nothing lead comfortably in control in the third period to a 2-2 game against a team that has been rolling lately um you know was unnecessary to their credit though i mean in hellebuck's credit made some big saves after that um as you mentioned remo like entertainment wise that was one of the most fun games to watch of the entire season but it was stressful, and we knew, I mean, I think everyone watching the game, considering what happened in Boston on Saturday, knew that this was going to be a really tough spot for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, you're going in, you're playing 22 hours after your last game. Um, you're finishing up four games in six nights. You're doing it against a team that was pretty much as hot, I think, 14-2 and two in their last 16 games. Um, and, you know, the opportunity is right there to do it. And, and, and the... And, you know, as much as I know there's a lot of attention on the goal that went in, um, and you sort of touched on this, Reem, 
my God, some of the chances. I mean, Blake Wheeler had a nice goal. He, I, I thought he looked good. I mean, he was taking the puck to the net hard. You know, had a couple of opportunities getting in past the defense and trying to squeeze it through Tristan Jari's pads that just didn't happen. Um, here, Luke Dubois had a number of chances, hit a couple posts. But my God, Kyle Connor could have had four or five goals mm. last night, Reem. He did get one, um, but he was incredibly dangerous. And uh, funny enough, he was sometimes the most dangerous on the PK last night. My God, did the Jets have some insane chances when they were killing penalties. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I mean, Kyle Connor had so many chances, one-timers, I mean, uh, in front of the net, up close. Uh, Tristan Jari was was awesome. And I mean, even you go to the shootout, like Kyle Connor has a great move what, off the post. Dubois has a pretty nice move to uh, get stuffed. Uh, Shafley stopped as well. I mean, they only got one goal in the shootout. I mean, the Jets couldn't score. They couldn't give it, get the run support. Um, it was a real unfortunate result, but I thought you're happy with the way that they played. It was an exciting game to watch as well. I mean, there's something about the Jets going up against, you know, Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Uh, the, the trio that's been together, I think, among the longest uh, in history or in the last in the last bit here but um it was it was a great game but they just couldn't couldn't score him definitely uh definitely a disappointing one but and so you get two of eight on the road trip two points of that's eight not enough and right now for the winnipeg yeah, jets and not not ideal to come back home you're playing against doesn't get any easier playing against florida on tuesday and vancouver thursday will be interesting games with 250 fans in the building so i'm I'm interested to see how they how they respond. Also interested to see what the lineups gonna look like us because we did have some lineup changes over the weekend. Blake Wheeler returning on Saturday. I mean, I'm I'm still like shocked that he's he's back. I mean, he's in the lineup. He looked great, scored um, yesterday, and uh, he seems seems great. You no, know, Ehlers was moved to IR, but then there were a couple other moves um, yesterday, and I guess some surprise injuries. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. Um... I mean, listen, I'll be the first one to admit, I was very surprised to see Nate Beaulieu in the lineup. I mean, to be honest, with the conversations we had about some of the cap gymnastics that the team was going to have to, you know, do to get Blake Wheeler back on the roster. <clears throat> I'll be honest, I was sort of expecting that he might get waived on Friday, heading into the weekend. Um, you know, whether he would have been picked up or not, I'm not sure. But, you know, and that would have sort of opened up a spot or maybe a guy like Vili Hainala to get into the lineup. And, you know, listen, I, I was I was surprised as any of you to see, um, you know, Vili once again sitting in the press box, especially as Dylan Sandberg, um, you know, continues to play and, and, and play quite well. I really liked his game yesterday. Um, but it was interesting to see. Maybe they thought they were going to be doing a lot of uh, penalty killing. I'm not sure, although Naples, you really only played, you know, one minute on the PK. It was, uh, you know, the vast majority of the penalty killing time was Morrissey and Pionk, as well as Brendan Dillon. Uh, Dylan Sandberg got just about two minutes on the PK as well. Um, and, you know, I know he blocked a couple. Uh, he was always getting in the way. But Remus, he was uh, he was making people pay right off the bat. I mean, was this some sort of like a secret weapon that the Jets put in to... Uh, bust up opponents because uh, he knocked a couple guys out early in the game yeah we were joking like about um nathan bullyu being in in the lineup um and i was like hey i mean he took out two penguins he uh, hit a guy and uh then injured another person in a fight um you know he plays tough he brought that intensity i mean you look at the shot attempts numbers he's uh you know further down the list but i don't think you can deny the impact that he made um, from a physical standpoint, uh, on the Penguins, 
Uh, he laid out and took an unfortunate penalty at one point as as well, but uh, the team likes him. He's in the lineup, but I do wonder, has now that Naple U is in, I mean, how far has Billy Hainala fallen on the depth chart now? I, I'm kind of worried. Like, what's what's he thinking? And we, I said, we know he was upset. Has he after tweeted out the Bernie Sanders p- picture again? Yeah, is that, t- is well, that he, making the rounds? He posted the Bernie Sanders on Instagram. Um, last year after the season when he spent a lot of it on the taxi squad and didn't play, but he's was seemingly like the next guy up. Um, he got COVID and then his coach has got in Samber got in. Well, Samber got in. He hasn't come out now. Uh, DeMello had a injury and they said Stanley did as well after the game. So we'll have to see about Tuesday, but like, I don't know what this means for Billy Hainala going forward. If you know, he can't get into the lineup or Nate Bullion and maybe they didn't want to have like two, uh, I don't want to call him rookie, but two uh, you know younger defensemen in Sandberg and Hainel in the same lineup. But I mean, this guy's been the best defenseman in the AHL, or if not one of. Um, I think he's earned a shot to get a look at the NHL, but it just it hasn't happened as well. And and T. Will says in chat, Billy is our new Niku, and I don't. I think there's maybe a talent difference there. I mean, Billy's a former first round pick, and Sammy was was seventh. I mean, this guy can't get in the lineup, and you have to wonder what what kind of toll it's taken on him, and what what plans does the organization have for him if he if he just can't get in? If there's so many defensemen right now, yeah, and you know what, I, I think you know this situation could definitely look different. You know, in the next month or so, it would be interesting to see what Kevin Chevaldeoff uh, does, whether it is uh, at the trade deadline or beforehand, um, because you would think. I mean, it is quite quite packed um you've got five guys making pretty significant money on the blue line signed to you know significantly long-term contracts i mean a minimum of three years uh which means really there's one spot but that was the thing i mean you had sandberg in the lineup i mean uh what is it no Demello yesterday and logan stanley's got a bit of an injury as well so it really did seem like that was the the time that we might see Billy hanala so we didn't this will be interesting to kind of follow that over the course of the next few days um, whether he just gets returned to the Manitoba Moose, um, because he is technically on the taxi squad. And that is one thing that was important to note. I mean, it would have meant some more roster moving. So, uh, you know, maybe that had something to do with it. Um, you know, we'll get to that with uh, Jeff Hamilton coming up a little bit later on um, as we sort of look ahead to how the team uh, goes into these two games played with, what, 250 fans Uh, at Canada Life Centre tomorrow against the Florida Panthers and then Thursday night against the Vancouver Canucks. Another guy we didn't see, Reem, that is, I mean, I don't know if you ask me, a little bit conspicuous by his absence is Evgeny Sveshnikov. And Sveshnikov played like under four minutes two games ago uh, and then has found himself a healthy scratch. Now, he, of course, was coming back from injury so I thought that maybe this was injury-related. Maybe he nicked something up or wasn't quite ready to come back. But they've said that he's basically healthy. And um, tell you what, I mean, just considering what he's brought to the club so far this season, I'm not sure whether there was an incident or something specific in the, was it the Nashville game that Coach Dave Lowry didn't like? Uh, but the bottom line is, Fetch uh, not in the lineup right now. And interesting to see when he gets back in and uh, what sort of a role he'll be in and obviously how he'll look when he gets back into the lineup because obviously he's got a little bit of work to do with the new head coach. Yeah, I agree. And we've been talking about him, how well he's played. He's played up in the lineup. He's played down. I think we were kind of surprised that he was a healthy scratch, but you know, maybe he's needed a, needed a rest, a mental reset. He can come in. I mean, he's looked good at times. He's produced. But it seems like, you know, we didn't talk about Cole Perfetti, who's, I think, he's kind of settled in now. 
uh, on that line. That's the line that you uh, don't want to break up here, the Connor Dubois Perfetti line. But I, I'm do I'm curious where Svetch, uh fits in here. Um, you know, the fourth line and the depth scoring. I mean, it hasn't been there, and this is a guy who's been able to score. You know, maybe he can contribute um, this week. So that's something to watch. You, I know Mike also speculated that he was injured before. Maybe he was injured, but they did. The team did confirm it was a healthy scratch. Yeah, so uh, another sort of interesting tidbit coming out of the weekend. Uh, but the bottom line is, Reem, that two, as I mentioned, two out of eight points isn't going to cut it right now with the you know the, the plight and the spot that the Jets have put themselves in with some of those losses earlier in the season, especially through uh, you know that month of uh, November into December. Um, and you know there's a real sense of urgency right now. And Connor Hellebuck was frustrated afterwards. He spoke after the game, saying, "You know what? I mean." Listen, that should have been a shutout, and it goes to a tie game in, uh, you know, a matter of the blink of an eye. Um, and they need to be better. They need to be more consistent. And that goes for everyone, including the guy in between the pipes. And, uh, oh, look who's coming to town tomorrow. I mean, just in time. Yeah, not quite the slump busters of the National Hockey League Remus in the powerhouse Florida Panthers. Man, they they have been uh, very good. They have a, what, a solid three lines. I mean, Aaron Eckblad. He had a real tough ending to last season. I mean, this guy's a star in the league. And, uh, you know, it's funny. California used to be the place where it was uh, all the NHL's top teams. You had Anaheim, L.A., San Jose. But now it's Florida. You got top two in the league. Uh, Florida and Tampa Bay, 61 uh, points each. Florida with the highly, you know, doing a one less game. I mean, goal differential, plus 48. I mean, you look at this team, very, very complete. Hasn't faltered since uh, the coaching change earlier in the year. So, you know, we haven't, you know, I've played some of their guys in fantasy and I've watched a bit, but I haven't got a, a, close, a close enough look like uh, when they play the Jets. So I'm really looking forward to seeing. And I know we haven't used the term litmus test or <laughs> measuring stick. In at least in two days. And yeah, not since uh, yesterday's game against Pittsburgh, <laughs> for sure, uh, at the end of the road trip. But I think, although, did we say first game back from a road trip, us, first game, watch out. There's. <laughs> You know, for, it's going to be a tight one. Although the Saturday's game or Sunday's game was an afternoon, so maybe they got back earlier than than normal. But I mean, this is a, a cup contender team, as uh, it says, reading in the chat. Shout out to Comet, but um, I'm I'm excited uh, to see you know what Jets team shows up because we know they can we know they can compete. But they've had a couple games here where you know they got you know a touchdown put on them by uh, some top teams as well. Yeah, uh, they've been scoring a lot, um, and it'll be interesting to see like when Connor Hellebuck finally gets a break too. I mean, he played yes. all four games on this road trip as expected. Um, you know, you got these two games coming up at home, then a huge game next Saturday afternoon in St. Louis, uh, and then of course the All Star break just around the corner. But um, you know, still some big, big important games for the Winnipeg Jets, and this schedule is not getting any easier, especially into February, into the makeup dates where um, the Jets will be playing. Uh, the better part of uh, yeah. at least every second day, if not more. At one point, I believe five games in seven days. Yeah, and this is um, yeah, that I mean, the Jets' schedule coming up is going to be rough. And Hellbuck's been playing hard. I think Thursday, I would think Comrie gets, and he seems to only play against Vancouver. I'm I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's right. So, <laughs> no, I think the schedule works out nicely. But uh, Florida's been on this long road trip going back to last Tuesday uh, in Calgary. Uh, they lost. Uh, you know, they beat Edmonton six nothing. Be Vancouver in a shootout Friday, and then yesterday 
uh, lost to expansion Seattle in Seattle. So this is their, I think this is their last game of the road trip. They return home Thursday. So we got a big narrative. Uh, first game back from a long road trip for the Jets. And last game of a long road trip for Florida. Will they, what kind of, how much gas will they have left in the tank? Although they did lose to Seattle, who uh, haven't been great this year. So Ornery that, mood coming out of that yeah. game. Yeah. Ornery mood or, for, yeah. the, uh, for, for the Florida Panthers. Hey, it is going to be a great test for the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, the bottom line is right now, this team needs points. And uh, listen, I know there's a lot of hockey left to be played. Um, but when you look at the standings, you see what other teams are doing around the Winnipeg Jets. And I mean, you go through a week where you got four games and you only have two points to show for it. I mean, that just adds more on the to-do list to get back up into a playoff spot. And especially if you're planning on it all pushing teams near the top of the central division to get into, uh, you know, into that situation. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more Jets coming up with uh, Jeff Hamilton. We'll also touch on the Blue Bombers. Uh, but Remo, just for a minute, I got to get your thoughts on the football on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, the game last night, I mean, let's just start yeah. off with the Bills Chiefs. It's pretty hard to talk about anything else after the way that thing ended. Um, like, I, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a huge Chiefs fan. I was living and dying with every play in that game. But now having a little bit of time to be removed from it, talking to people that are not Chiefs fans, seeing the way that this game has been consumed and talked about, Make no mistake about it. That was an all-time legendary game. One of the best, most exciting NFL playoff games that have ever been played. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. All I can think about is NFL overtime needs to be changed. We can't do this. It's overshadowed. The great game. Uh, We'll get to that later. But all seriousness, yeah, I mean, that game, you were... I mean, the Chiefs have been in some epic games. I was reminded about that Monday nighter a couple of years ago with the Chiefs and the Rams. Yeah, 54 but, 51. But uh, yesterday, I mean, you knew we were saying before, okay, this is like the actual Super Bowl. I mean, these are the two top quarterbacks. I mean, we knew Patrick Mahomes are really good, but Josh Allen went, he went to another level, like Madden video game stuff, running on that fourth down, um, hitting Gabe Davis, who had what, four touchdowns? Uh, in the game, I mean, this game was mind blowing. I mean, you were like waiting for the, for the all the scoring to happen, and it happened all in the last two minutes. Uh, I mean, I still can't believe what I saw. I mean, eleven seconds. Like you thought that KC, there's no way they got enough time to get a field goal. Thirteen, but, thirteen so seconds. I mean, two plays, Tyreek Hill, crazy, Travis Kelsey, and then uh, and then the kick to make it happen. I mean, you you just. As I mentioned uh, earlier, I think to you, I mean, I, I had to get back home last night after the game and, and rewatch it a couple times just to actually have it sink in what happened. And I'll say this. Um, I mean, you just got to feel for the Buffalo Bills fans. I mean, the Mafia is such a great crew. They have been so supportive of that team through so many tough seasons. Um, this is as an exciting a Bills team, I think, as we've seen probably since they went to the four straight Super Bowls. Um, but that is an absolutely excruciating way to lose Remus. And uh, I know uh, everyone that supports the Buffalo Bills probably woke up this morning going, how, how, did, how did we lose that football game? And as far as the overtime goes, um, hey, I, I, uh, I had that same walk out of Arrowhead three years ago uh, with the infamous D Ford game that ended up Mahomes late going, tying, getting the game to OT. 
and Tom Brady getting the football, and uh, the Chiefs never got a chance to touch it. And ironically, the Chiefs had been the team that had been lobbying for a change to the mm. OT rules, Remus, that uh, was not uh, did not get a great reception within the other teams of the National Football League, and that's why we still have the rules as they're mm. uh, currently constructed. Yeah, I think I wonder if this is the game that changes the conversation among NFL owners. I mean, both teams' defenses has at the end of that game were so gassed. The offenses were scoring out well. It did seem like whoever won that coin toss um, was going to march down and score. And I do think they need to make a change. So you know, we we also want to see Josh Allen have the opportunity to answer back. It is a shame, but I, I mean, as, I'm not blaming the OT rules on loss at all. I mean the Buffalo had 11 seconds to prevent them to, from kicking a game-tying field goal and could have stopped them in overtime. However, however, we've seen you know a couple times now with the Patriots, as you mentioned, it's time to take a look at this for the NFL. And people want to see it. Both teams should get an opportunity with the ball. I mean, the rules are so skewed in favor of offense now. Like, let's, I think let's do a, it, I see, saw a lot of jokes on Twitter about like the coin being the most valuable player there in the overtime. I mean, it does, I think it does have a major impact, but I mean, full credit to Mahomes. Like Josh Allen was incredible. He was excellent. Mahomes, as hard as it is to believe, was like just a bit better and led them to win. I mean, it was an incredible win and congratulations to the Chiefs. But I do agree the overtime rules need need a look. You know what? Walt, Winnipeg Walters got a great play, a great take here. And I, I subscribe to this too. Bad coaching. Buffalo should have squibbed the kickoff. And then on first down, committed an intentional holding penalty on all wide receivers. Would have taken most of the time. Well, regard even without the holding penalty, um, the fact that they kicked it through the end zone and allowed them to start with the ball on the 25 without any time ticking down was absolutely huge. I mean, when you're talking about trying to get into field goal range in 13 seconds, every single second counts. And... Uh, Tell you what, that play to Tyreek Hill right off the bat. I mean, you know how fast he is, Remus. I mean, it just ate up a quick 20, 25 yards. Then they did the exact same thing with with Travis Kelsey, and all of a sudden, um, Butker's going out to kick a field goal to and probably tie the game. And of course, it happened, and they needed that one because Butker missed a field goal earlier and clanged a convert. Um, so it, it listen, he probably should have had them in a position already with those points on the board, but uh, got it. And then, of course, in overtime, as we well know, uh, the rest mm -hmm. is history. The other game yesterday was absolutely bizarre. Um, the Rams and the Bucks. I mean, and this game essentially was over early in the third quarter. And then inexplicably, Remus, some of the most ridiculous turnovers, mistakes. I mean, the Rams turned into a team in the second half that looked like... Uh, you know, like like a 5-12 and 12 team on the season. Cam Akers fumbling, the snaps sailing over Matt Stafford's head. I mean, just opportunity after opportunity for Tom Brady, of course. They had no business being in that football game, and somehow, some way, it was 27-all late before the final heroics of Matt Stafford to get them into position for a game-winning field goal in the last play of the game. Yeah, that game, I you know, I... Even though the games last week were blowouts, like I couldn't turn them off. And this one was 27-3, and you kind of couldn't really believe it. I mean, wow, the Rams are going to do this. And, you know, you have bets or fantasy, and you want to keep keep watching. But, I mean, I was tuned in, and, yeah, you had the, the snap that's you know, Stafford wasn't even ready for. Uh, Cam Akers dropping the ball on the ground. Cooper Cup as well. I mean, giving Tampa a chance. And Tampa couldn't really 
capitalize on any of the chances. And you really felt that Tom Brady was missing, you know, weapons, Chris Godwin, who was hurt and Antonio Brown, who, uh, quit the quit the team and he did uh you know have an interesting uh twitter post after (laughs) after the game but i mean he's not going to be able to get it done with like scotty miller as his uh, as his top receiver and it was nice to have playoff lenny back leonard fournette who had a couple touchdowns but i just feel like he didn't have he wasn't as comfortable with with uh in the weapons if they would had godwin maybe there would be a different game but he was definitely missing those guys who he had all season and they couldn't quite get in a rhythm offensively but uh you know hey that 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 defensive line Mm -hmm. i mean led by aaron donald is is legit and the one thing that brady doesn't like is getting hit and he was getting hit he was getting rushed yesterday did not have a lot of time um but then for all the great things that the rams were doing earlier on they just handed it over on a silver platter to get them back into a game oh it was a 20 plus point lead um and just and speaking of that post by ab um, some incredible social media work as pretty much the entire internet spent uh, Saturday night dunking on Aaron Rodgers after they flamed out at home to the Niners. Yeah, and here just I, I'll give a quick shout out to Matt Stafford. I mean, he was in in Detroit, and you know he was very good, but like he was on a terrible team. And credit to him for uh, taking them to the NFC Championship. And I mean, him yeah, they to- looked like the Lions for the last twenty minutes yeah. of that football game. <laughs> but then he he snapped out of it and uh, threw some bombs to to Stafford. But yeah, the highlight of the weekend was uh, the, everyone dunking on Aaron Rodgers on Twitter. I mean, for him to come in that game and they scored ten points. I mean, he didn't throw uh, he didn't throw for a touchdown. Um, you know, after everything this season, where the jokes like, oh, he should have done more research on uh, on the Forty ers <laughs> defense or immunized against winning in the playoffs, or you know, we heard he was going to boycott the Super Bowl. But I didn't think it was going to be this. Uh, what are? I mean, there were the best one though that I that I read. I texted to you part of my take, pointing out that what Blake Bortles and Aaron Rodgers have the same number of playoff wins since 2017, and I think that says a lot. Um, I wonder what's going to happen with him. But uh, I mean, Green. This was Green Bay's year. They had the defense. They were the number one seed. They had the buy. Um, well, even though that game was like pretty poorly played like Jimmy G was trying to throw interceptions um the weather uh the weather made it compelling I mean you I think Aaron Rodgers is a bit of a tur- turned heel this season to use a wrestling term you, you know people were cheering against him I can see it in, in chat the day the day before yeah. the damn playoff game he's going off about the president I think like, he was complaining uh, about doing? B- being canceled in like a 28 minute phone call like with ESPN like that is that's not being no, that is not being canceled when you're yeah. speaking with the biggest media no, channel. You just got canceled channel. by the San Francisco yeah. 49ers. The season is canceled. But, the hopes and dreams of the Packers mm-hmm. are canceled. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, that very well could be his final game as a National Football League quarterback. And shout out to uh, Debo Samuel, man. That guy is tough. It was Unreal. incredible watching him uh, carry the ball. I mean, limping off the field on some of those big first downs. It was great drama on uh, on Saturday, even though, you know, well, like a thirteen ten, but uh, I I also enjoyed the Bears fans loving uh, Robbie Gould knocking out the Packers too. That was that was awesome, <laughs> no doubt about it. All right, uh, Jeff Hamilton's going to come up. We'll hit the latest on the Winnipeg Jets as they get back home to take on the Florida Panthers tomorrow. Uh, some bomber notes, and we'll see what he thought about those games on the weekend. Uh, before we do that, uh, a big thank you to our friends over at F Apparel for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. F Apparel, Winnipeg's number one spot for custom suits for men uh, and not just suits a full line of custom clothing for any occasion 
dress shirts, winter jackets, casual chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits start at just $400. If you've got a wedding coming up, your wedding party will get 15% off if you buy as a group from F Apparel. Find out more at 190 Smith Street or book an appointment or check them out online at F, that's E-P-H Apparel, uh, dot com. Uh, big week at Vita Health. We're finishing up. I know a lot of you have been uh, maybe participating in sober January. Um, or you're just looking to have a few more non-alcoholic options around at your place and for entertaining. Uh, Vita Health, great spot to start for that. Um, great non-alcoholic beers from Sober Carpenter. They've got clever marktails, uh, Boreal Botanicals, and much more. And if you're thinking about trying uh, a vegan diet, talk to the experts at Vita Health. They'll get you started. And Vita Health carries so many plant-based and vegan products. Tofurky, Field Roast, Guardian, The Very Good Butchers, Light Life Beyond Meat, and more. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. They're online at myvita.ca. Um, and of course, our friends at Culligan Water are, uh, well, just dominating into 2022. I guess those is 66 years. Family-owned in Winnipeg is being the go-to people for all sorts of water services. Whether you need water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, Culligan has you covered. And if you've got needs for your business, they've got plenty of commercial and industrial water products and solutions as well. Visit them over at 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give them a call at 694-5180 or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. All right, lots to get to coming out of the weekend. It is hammer time on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let's welcome in Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. What's up? How are you? Not mad, not bad, man. Just trying to put my words together after a uh, speechless weekend in the NFL, and obviously a lot of both, you know, two Jets games that didn't turn out exactly the way uh, I imagine Jets fans would have wanted. But uh, certainly a, a jam-packed weekend of sports, and looking forward to chat about it. Yeah, that was uh, that was nuts. I mean, I want to get into the Jets, but just quickly that game. I mean, you've covered football for a long time. You've been a sports fan all your life. I mean. Even with no skin in the game. I mean, that just an all-time classic. I mean, you said speechless. I mean, I'm still having a hard time accurately putting into words just how bananas that game was last night between the Bills and Chiefs. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I, I knew which game you were talking about, but there were four <laughs> wild games. But, I mean, what what a... I was talking to my brother. He snuck out for a cigar. He's got two young kids, so that's kind of his time alone in his truck. And he, uh, and he, was, he was talking about how crazy the game was, but he left to this truck with the 13 seconds remaining and I'm sitting there I go well what do you mean like yeah it's still a wild game and and at this point you know Mahomes is now orchestrating a, a, a last kind of ditch effort to put this thing into overtime and he's like you know he couldn't believe it so we just stopped talking he watched on his phone I watched on the on on my tv and it was just it was just bananas and I'm not I don't know if we need to get into overtime rules in the NFL and all that stuff I mean um, you know, obviously it's unfortunate to have the game end the way it did without Josh Allen getting a chance to, you know, rebuttal, I guess, if you would, or, or get a chance to even up the score and keep going. I saw of all the crazy memes out there, this wasn't my favorite, but I saw one was like, this is the score. It was like 162 to 159 if, if it was a if it was if it was different overtime rules and, and whatever. But I mean it just was just nonstop. I mean, what was it, 25 points in the in the last two minutes and 
that wasn't even, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, that was all, that was of course the craziest ending, but there were other crazy endings of the weekend too. And it was, I don't know. I'm still kind of coming to grips with how that, how that went down for someone who doesn't have stake in the game, but loves Josh Allen and the bills. I, I, I just, you know, it's a disappointing one, but I know you're happy today. Yeah. I mean, but honestly afterwards, I mean, I was still in a state of shock and I mean, I really do feel for the, for the mafia. I mean, that is a great fan base. That is an amazing sports town that deserves to have some good things happen to them. And, uh, and I'll you know, say it can only be one win. That's probably the game of the playoffs. I mean, I really do think that, you know, if the Bills had ended up winning that game, they would have been the favorite to uh, to go all the way and win it. So uh, it was unfortunate that it happened when it happened, and that wasn't maybe the AFC championship game, uh, but it was. We'll have some time, hopefully, to get back to a few more football topics, but let's start off with the Jets. Oh. Uh, you know, listen, two points out of a possible eight on this road trip. We knew it was going to be a big test, but... Unfortunately, the Jets didn't score very well on said test. And, um, you know, now come back, Jeff, you know, with these four games, I believe, before the All-Star break, starting with the Florida Panthers tomorrow at home in front of only 250 people. As we heard from Connor Hellebuck yesterday, um, you know, uh, there has to be a real serious sense of urgency right now with the Winnipeg Jets because they're in quite a predicament right now. And uh, it's going to need stringing a bunch of wins together to put them into the neighborhood that they want to be. And that, of course, is uh, competing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, before we go back uh, to the four games, let's look ahead to Tuesday and, and playing Florida. What do they got, like 50 goals in the last four games or something? It's ridiculous. I, mean, I was listening, I was hearing a stat this morning, uh, listening to a podcast. I think they have at least four or more goals in their last nine games or, or whatever. That I mean, they're clicking at a clip that – and they've been doing it all season and they just seem to have just incredible depth in all areas of the ice. So that's, and then out of the blue, they lose to the Kraken yesterday, five, three. So you can imagine they're going to be in a great mood coming to Winnipeg after that performance. I was just going to get to that, that, you know, feeling pretty good, maybe catching them off guard on a game. Well, I think, I think Seattle got, got that opportunity. So it's, it's, it's going to make it even tougher, but the road trip, of course, not the, not the way they, they would have wanted or drew it up. Clearly two points out of eight is just not good enough. You look at the games though, and it's, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to be a, a rabid Jets fan watching those games. I mean, you feel like you're in control and in, in Washington, you know, two goal lead is not good uh, against any team. It's called the worst league in hockey for a reason, but it's particularly um, not as, not as great against a team like Washington who just kind of promptly came back. I mean, kudos to the jets for tying it up and forcing it into overtime, but you have to feel like that one's a lost point. You know, you look at, you look at the other games, Nashville, that one was over in 20 minutes and, and really looked like games that we used to see from the Winnipeg jets where they'd either get up and, and be able to kind of play even hockey through the final 40 minutes, get up early is what I w- was trying to say. Um, and just they couldn't figure it out through the final 40 minutes, tying each you know, second and third period, one, one all. Uh, Buff, uh, Boston, I mean, you really want to get that 2 nothing goal. I, you know, that's the kind of game where you get up, you have those opportunities that you have, you put forth the kind of first period that they did, which was another impressive first period on this trip, and just kind of have nothing to show for it by the end. Just another good team, a team that, you know, very much like, Nashville and like the team they played the next day, Pittsburgh have been playing well and have been able to kind of weather those storms whenever they come to fall, you know, to lose that game without getting a point. That one's a tough one to swallow. And of course, uh, of course, yesterday's game. I mean, I went to the kitchen 
for literally 30 seconds and I came back and it was two all. Like I, I, I had to, I had to fast forward looking at, you know, at the TV, just seeing how this came to be. And I mean, okay, fine. They get that first goal. It's tough to kind of put this, obviously the second goal is on Connor Hellebuck. I, I saw a funny one from Mitch. I think, um, you know, he's a guy that is very, you know, I think he's very active in your chats too. Obviously I love his stuff too, as well. I think he tweeted out something like he needs a shot caller on oh, his the shot neck. caller. And yeah. Was that was an like, amazing I mean, tweet from is Mitch. Is that just not like, is that just not exactly what he needs? Like, and I mean, it's just, it, it is a bit of bad luck. Of course you, you hear Hellebuck explain the, the goal at the, after the game, you know, saying that he, at first you think it's icing, you, the guy gets a stick on it, it's not, and then he's not in a position to play it. And, you know, by the time, you know, the forecheck, which I don't even know if it would have been icing had he not touched the puck because, you know, the Penguins, I forget who it was, was the first one in uh, on that play. And then so he's he just has to shoot it up behind the boards. And it's just one of those, you know, one of those one hoppers to, to Jeff Carter who hasn't, you know, who's capable of put, putting the puck in that, I don't want to say it was super, super narrow, but it wasn't, a, you know, an easy, easy shot. Um, and then after the game, I mean, let's go to Hellebuck's, Hellebuck's comments. I mean, this is, I thought he, I thought he said it perfectly where, you know, he didn't want to speak for the entire team, but he, he certainly feels a sense of urgency. This is the time of the year. Usually it's around Christmas, uh, but with, with the Jets schedule and having to delay all those, those home games and just given how many games they have, it's kind of moved into right now where the good teams are winning games. You know, they're finding ways to win, whereas the Jets are finding ways to lose. And so the good news is there's lots of hockey to play. There's lots of time to, you know, turn this around, if you will. But you, there's a reason why you hear guys say you don't just flip a switch. You know, there's it, it, it's got to be learned behavior. And I think one of the most frustrating things I seem to gather from from fans and, and certainly, you know, as someone in the media who, who hears them, who hears the postgame press conferences, it's it's this constant drive to playing the right way. And it's just like we're 30 something games into this season and, and playing the right way. Um you know, how do you believe they even know how to if, if they keep saying it? I mean, the, the obvious question to me is, well, what's the what's the right way and how quickly can you get to it? And clearly that's been a question that the, the Jets have have been asking themselves for for days and weeks. And, and it's just been just such a weird season. Like, look at the three nothing win over Detroit. I mean, Detroit's garbage. And everyone thought that this was like the turnaround and, you know, because um, there were no yeah, games for a week. Well, that no, was all exactly. we had. <laughs> and, then, and then it was just like, what a dominating display. And look at all the new guys. And it's just, you know, it's just been a whirlwind. And I think, uh, you know, roller coaster doesn't even really do it justice with this, just the highs and lows of this team that uh, they just can't seem to find a, a groove and, and roll with it. And so it's going to be, a, you know, like I said, there's, there's tons of hockey to be played, but, you know, you'd feel a bit better as a fan if, if, if you were seeing some kind of hockey that resembled uh, what it takes, what it clearly takes to to push this league and to make the playoffs and do damage in it. To be honest, I mean, I thought there was a lot of that in the game yesterday. I mean, it hasn't been Absolutely. consistent. It hasn't been consistent. And um, I mean, it's hard to, to say this because, I mean, Kyle Connor has been so brilliant scoring goals, but I mean, dude could have had five yesterday. I mean, there were so many glorious chances and, you know, it's been an issue for the Winnipeg Jets to get that next goal and give themselves a bit more of a cushion um, because, as we saw, 2 nothing can turn into 2-2 very quickly. Well, nine seconds to be exact, uh, like it happened uh, like it happened yesterday. Um, 
say this though um i thought blake wheeler had a real strong game yesterday i mean for a guy that had missed the amount of time to come back in play on those back-to-backs um you know he uh you know he looked like a guy that was pretty close to the one that you know was really hitting his groove right before he got injured and you know especially when he uses his speed and the size to take the puck to the net did that a couple times yesterday wasn't able to jam it past Jerry on the uh, other chances after he scored the first goal, uh, but he was there. But Jeff, I'll tell you what: when you look down at the uh, at the ice time, uh, it's been fascinating to see how Dave Lowry is, you know, working his bench. And we'll talk about the lineup in a minute. But just if we're talking about those top two lines, uh, I don't think there is any doubt who was the number one line last night, and it was the line with Pierre Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. Dubois getting what three, almost four minutes more than Shifley, mm-hmm. and uh, Kyle Connor playing almost 25 minutes, including five minutes on shorthanded, where he had some of the most glorious scoring opportunities of the entire game when the Jets were down a man. Where to pick and all that, Puss. Uh, let's go with Kyle Connor. I mean, certainly Tristan Jari had a great game. I mean, the, the number I mean, the number of saves he made in close, it was, it was crazy because it felt like the Jets' best opportunities came on the penalty kill and and you know obviously uh Kyle Connor's breakaway is other opportunities there's two on ones I forget who whiff was it Dylan I think that couldn't not whiff couldn't couldn't get it couldn't get it above him and I mean even in the shootout it was it was it was tough sledding for this team so uh, tough situation but at the same time I mean I like the look I, I like the I, I've never been a huge fan of top end you know your top end stars your your skilled guys playing penalty kill unless they're doing what Kyle Connor's doing you know there's been times with this team where Blake Wheeler would be on there and and uh you know he would they would kill the penalty but it's just it seemed like so much exerted energy for not a lot of the offense that you'd want to get from from a guy like that in those kind of situations you certainly get that with Kyle Connor you know, we've, we've talked about this in the past, Dave Lowry's kind of commitment, which is seemingly a lot different than Paul Maurice's to playing the guys that are, you know, getting things done. And, and you know, you talk about yesterday's game, Blake Wheeler, I thought was, I'm with you. I thought he had a great game. I thought he played, um, I thought he played motivated. I thought he felt involved in the game. We're never going to see vintage Blake Wheeler like we used to see Blake Wheeler. And, and by, what I mean by that is the speed up the wings and, you know, just, in, you know, incredible speed. But we saw a little bit of it yesterday when he was taking those passes and driving to the net. Unfortunately, we also saw what well, he did. We also saw, you know, his inability to score that we've seen kind of in the last bit. So, you know, he gets another one by there. That's, you know, it's a different game, but certainly not pinning this on 26. I thought he played incredibly well, you know, especially considering all the, all the things he's been through and injuries and coming back. I mean, I thought it was interesting that in the Boston game, I think he what logged eight minutes in the first period. I mean, talk about a welcome back um, with Nikolai Ehlers being out of course, but uh, certainly, getting some good performances for, from guys. And, and I'm with you in the sense, I don't think it was, you know, I don't think it was pure domination from the Jets. You know, like it, it wasn't just a nine second blunder. I mean, Connor Hellbuck had to come up big on a, on a couple of, you know, strong plays as uh, strong plays by the, the Penguins as well. And um, he certainly earned, deserved a better fate, but uh, you know, what it comes down to is, you know, there is no silver linings. You heard Blake Wheeler say that the other day. I mean, at this point in time with the Jets, 
you can't look at games and go, oh, yeah, well, you know, we played pretty good and we got the one point or, you know, look at the 40 minutes we played. That was, you know, that that was that's more indicative of the 20 minutes that we didn't play so well. What matters for the Winnipeg Jets and for every team at this point is points. And if you're not if you're not ra- ra- racking those up at this point in the year, uh, you know, you have some question marks and there's some answers that this team needs to figure out here in the next couple of days. Um Dude, it's just on Shifley for a minute. Um, he was getting dragged pretty good for the uh, the flyby, as it was mm. referred to on the uh, <laughs> referred to on the broadcast yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's so many things that he does well offensively. Um, but man, we're well into the career right now. I mean, you know, should we just stop expecting Mark Shifley to be able to take a real step forward in the 200 foot game? Well, the problem is those kind of things like, yeah, does it look horrible? Of course it looks horrible. It looks even worse when you've been the kind of topic of conversation about your defensive game for the last weeks, if not months, if not most of your career. But, you know, I, it, the reality is if Mark Shifley isn't scoring points, which he kind of is scoring, I mean, mm-hmm. he's not, you know, he's he is producing of late, um, but if he's not, if he's not dominating it, he's such a fascinating player to me because you know, he, everyone has this opinion of him, like he's a $10 million player because he's kind of in that conversation for his next deal, but he's not making close to that. And I'm not saying that, you know, you've got to look at his salary now and be like, give the guy a break or, or whatever, not, or only expect certain amount of things from him. But it's just, you know, defensively, he's just not caught on. And I, and I understand the frustration. I mean, I certainly get the frustration. I'm not going to make these arguments that, you know, others have. And they're not, it's not that they're not valid. You know, ones are, I know, you know, our boy Kenny loves to talk about, you know, Connor McDavid and how he's not, you know, he's not defensively sound, you know, but, but Mark Shifley's not Connor McDavid, you know, and he's not Sidney Crosby and he's not all these guys that, uh, he's not all these guys that he's, you know, years ago was said, said he wanted to be. And if you want to be those guys, yes, they're not, you know, if, if you're not a defensive juggernaut, I mean, Sidney Crosby's certainly a 200 foot player, but if, you know, if you're not going to be that fully defensive guy, then you better take over more games offensively than you, than your reliability defensively. And I just think that we haven't really seen that with Mark Shifley. Um, that being said, I don't know if it's just the fact Pierre-Luc Dubois has been playing a lot better uh, than obviously compared to last season, but it just seems to be that conversation where if Dubois is getting things done, well, where's Mark Shifley? And even though he is finding a bit of offense, he's not really doing the things that you know you you want out of a guy who is wants to be or is your number one centerman. And so until until that part of his game, and it's not even like it's not even like everyone's asking him to be some kind of, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, like, you know, to come back and be a, you know, defensive juggernaut. I think they just don't want to see plays like they saw yesterday in overtime and and, and other instances where it seems like, you know, every time an opposing team scores a goal, you all of a sudden see 55 coming into the frame after they're celebrating. It just, it just seems to be a lot of deja vu under that. And unfortunately for him, you know, you get a lot of criticism that way, but like, Mark Shifley, like, you know, a majority of this team, they need to be better. And and the reality is, is very rarely do we see, you know, 
Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and, and Kyle Connor have a big night and Mark Shifley have a big night. It's almost like they, they swap off nights and it's like, okay, this is the, this is the reason, this line is the reason why they won. And now this is the line, the reason is the reason why they won. And now Connor Hellebuck is the reason why they won, where they don't really put together a lot of those games where it's like complete domination when you know they have the talent um, and a blue line that's been addressed over the off season. Right. I mean, we talked about this heading into, heading into this year. And I, you know, I was on your show saying, you know, I don't know if Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon, as good as they are, you know, as, as better as they they are than what they had previous, is going to be the answer without continuation of, you know, that offense getting better and creating more opportunity for younger guys and, and for guys like Mark Scheifele, who's in his prime. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, this isn't, you know, you're no longer kind of the young kid. You're the established NHL or you want to be at all-star games. You want to be on Team Canada Olympics. Well, all those things come with heady expectations. And when you're not breach, you're not meeting them, um, particularly in a, in a hockey crazed market like Winnipeg, you're going to get shade. And so the, it's cliche, but the reality is, is, you know, Mark Shifley's hearing it. You know, he's not immune to these things. These players don't just, you know, they're on social media all the time. They they read what's being said about them, you know, and, and it's it's how you respond. And, you know, this city will absolutely love you if you play a great game. And the, the turn on that is if you're not playing so great, well, you, you kind of fall out of favor. And right now we're seeing 55 kind of a little bit more in the fan doghouse. Yeah. And and listen, I, I mean, I think that he it's because he's so important to the team. It's because he has traditionally played those big minutes and the big matchups that, you know, you just need more in that other end. No one's questioning what the uh, the offensive side of the game Um. But I mean, really right now, Jeff, uh, and I think, you know, you can talk about what fans are saying. All I mean, what Dave Lowry said with the way that he, you know, doled out the ice time, I think yesterday speaks volumes about, you know, where he's at and how he looks at his group right now. Bottom line is he needs both of those lines going and it'd be nice to mix in uh, a little something from the bottom six once in a while. I know Jansen Harkins had the goal against uh, Boston, but right now um, it's been a revolving door of a number of players in and out of the lineup. And um you know, right now, tons of pressure on those t- top two lines because the Jets really aren't getting much from uh, outside of them. And that's kind of been the book on these guys, right? Like, I mean, they, you know, even that line with, even when they had that line with Adam Lowry and Andrew Kopp and Mason Appleton, and it was, you know, an, a premier shutdown line in the NHL, the conversation always kind of evolved to, well, they're not scoring enough goals. And if you're not, you know, to my earlier point, if you don't have two, if you don't have your top six, finding you know more nights than not where both are clicking or both are chipping in or or you know conversely just being relied on one line to kind of carry things if you're not getting that support um you know you're in a lot of trouble it makes it makes games a lot harder to win it, it and as you said it puts a lot more pressure on those top two lines and you know if you feel that pressure you're going to feel you're going to, you know, you're going to hold your sticks tighter. You're not going to, you know, you're going to, things are going to get magnified when you don't score on breakaways, you know, and, and, and this is kind of the narratives we were talking about this team years ago where, you know, if, if, if bad things happen, they got down on themselves. I'm not suggesting that that's where that's necessarily where this team is at this moment, but you can kind of see that you've seen that frustration build um, in pockets throughout this year where, where they're not finding the back of the net and, you know, they're, you know, they, they're, they're, visibly frustrated right because there's one thing to be kind of frustrated behind closed doors but when the body language matches as we've seen after a number of games even Pierre-Luc Dubois talking about the power play and over this trip I mean you can just kind of feel that frustration and and 
you kind of want to see that frustration, but that frustration can't bleed into, you know, the next day and then the next practice because this game's supposed to be fun and, and winning is what makes it the most fun. And when you get kind of caught in this whirlwind of expectations, whether those are individual or collectively as a team, you need to be mentally strong to get out of those. Every team goes through those. Even, you know, even the best teams in the league go through lulls. Uh, throughout a season it's how you get out of them or how you you know find ways to to manufacture those good vibes that that ultimately lead to to success and and whether or not that the Jets are capable of doing that I mean it, there's so many things about this Winnipeg Jets team that we could get into you know not psychoanalyzing them but just in general like you know just how how skilled players are and you know how much how much contract talks have been in the last few days you wonder what kind of you know, resolve that this team has collectively. And when you look at, you know, this season in particular, Paul Maurice leaving, you know, you have a new coach, but he's not really a new coach. He's kind of the same coach that you had before as an assistant and not seeing that Dave Lowry hasn't done some positive things, but you just wonder what's going to fix this team and what's going to move forward. And, you know, I don't get paid the millions of dollars for those answers. So I'll, I'll leave those to the, the pros. Well, I mean, a couple of questions coming out of, you know, just how uh, Dave Lowry's doing with the head coach. It's interesting following, you know, these lineups. And I know there's, you know, potentially some cap considerations with Wheeler coming back on. It maybe wasn't just as easy as throwing Billy Hainala into the lineup. It may have meant potentially waving a Nathan Beaulieu. That didn't happen. He was in the lineup. Um, so what did you make of the fact that, you know, Two more defensemen out, Dylan DeMello and Logan Stanley, uh, and no spot for Vili. Um, and the other guy is Svechnikov, who, you know, played under four minutes two games ago and has been a healthy scratch despite just coming back from injury. I think a lot of people thought maybe he's still dealing with something, but you know, the Jets were pretty clear this was a, a guy that could have gone if they needed him. Yeah, Dave Lally singled out Svechnikov as the one healthy guy of the three, um, you know, ultimately declaring him a healthy scratch. I don't know what the deal is with that. I know that Evgeny Svechnikov is a is a fun guy. He's a well-respected guy in the locker room. I think a lot of guys get along with him. I don't, you know, I don't want to put any tag on him, but obviously when he was with Detroit, things didn't go as great. He wasn't getting the opportunity he felt he deserved. I don't know what that leads to. I have a hard time thinking he's a bad guy off the ice. Like, you know, sometimes guys don't get in the lineup because they're late for meetings all the time or, you know, stuff like that. Stuff that kind of breaks team rules outside of, you know, your, your play. And, and I just don't, I haven't heard or anything of that. The, the narrative out of the Jets seems to be with Dilly Hainala was a time thing that um, they would have, yes, as you said, they would have had to put, you know, a, a Nate Bolio on, on waivers. Um, but the, what I was hearing coming out of, out of their camp was that they didn't have the time to do it. Like it was, it was by the time they figured out the injuries with, with DeMello and Stanley, um, it was too late to, to pull any kind of moves, but okay, that's fine for yesterday. So what does that mean for the next few days? Here, you know, particularly like, is Demello going to be better? Is Stanley going to be better? And if they are going to be better, are they a better option uh, than Billy Hainala? And I know a lot of people want to see Billy Hainala. I want to see Billy Hainala. You know, you look at guys like Dylan Sandberg, who, you know, I think had a great debut against Detroit, is, has kind of shown a bit of his inexperience, but still a solid player and someone I think that, that should be in the lineup. And, you know, I've heard people say, we'll get some of those kinks out of the way now so they're better off for you know, later this season or even next year, I don't think, I don't think necessarily playing those guys is, uh, you know, guys like Sandberg or Billy Haina is looking towards next season. I think that's creating a bit of a, some competition for a group that, again, I'm not going to argue is feeling too comfortable. I don't know what the inner 
you know, room dynamics are or, or, you know, the personalities that we see could be different, you know, when it comes to usage or locker room dynamics, all those things that come into play with putting a lineup up together. But I don't, you know, I don't understand why Vili Hainala needs to be stuck on the taxi squad. I mean, the whole the whole COVID stuff is, is I believe, is behind him. You know, he's obviously working out um, the way I think it has to be is the is the is salary cap considerations right i mean you you had blake wheeler on ltir he's now off nick ehlers is back on there you wonder you know this is a team that's either carrying one less guy on the roster in some instances or has been making these you know moves that they don't want to you know they're so close to the cap that they need to have like a scientist working the capologist as he goes by to, to make sure that the numbers add up and all of this. So I don't know how much of that plays in, but what I do know and what I think everybody knows or everybody seems to want is that Billy Hainala is a guy who can move the puck out of the zone. He's not a huge guy. Yeah, but he's got great puck movement. He's got great hockey IQ. And right now what the Jets seem to be missing from their back end is that first pass out of their own zone. That transition game is has been, I don't want to say non-existent, but it hasn't been to where I think a lot of people expect. And I, I think, you know, myself included, believe that a guy like Billy Hainala could help on that. I mean, I'm not going to say what's what, what's the worst that can happen because I don't think the Jets are in you know that mode where they're tossing their hands up per se. But at the same time, you, you have a guy there who you know when you see the way he's played with the Manitoba Moose this season, and you know knowing what you already know about him because he's already been in the lineup, you don't. I just don't understand how he hasn't got an opportunity. And we see Nathan Bolio logging you know games this season. Yeah, it was a bit of a a bit of a head scratcher to many yesterday. But um, I, listen, I didn't think Bolio had a terrible game or anything like that. We've no. just seen we know what Nate Bolio is. Um, we also know that Billy Hanel is a first round pick that's been excelling and seems to be ready to make that step. And you know, with Dylan Sandberg getting the opportunity ahead of him and acquitting himself well, many people are thinking that uh, you know, will uh, would be nice to see what Billy can do with the big club hammer hang tight for one sec i want to get to a couple bomber questions with you uh, before we do that big shout out to our friends over at manitoba battery or as guess what folks we've got another extreme cold warning uh coming you don't want to be that guy on the side of the road calling your buddies to come and uh, bail you out for a boost make sure you get that battery uh good to go for the harsh winnipeg winter and to do that you do it over at manitoba battery on logan avenue best prices in town save you money over the big box stores like costco and uh, they'll do it with a smile donnie and the guys just a great staff down at uh, at uh, manitoba battery so uh, whether it's for your car or for your sled or maybe you need some booster cables because you're helping out your sucker friends that don't have a manitoba battery you can get it all there 1026 logan avenue see them online at manitoba battery and they do have delivery service as well. You can call them at 783-8787. Well, we're down to the final four in the National Football League, and Royal Sports is your NFL fan headquarters. Chiefs, Bengals, Niners, Rams, whoever you are uh, supporting, you might want to get your gear ready for a championship Sunday coming up in the National Football League. While you're there, check out all the Bomber Grey Cup, uh, the Bomber Grey Cup merchandise, as well as thousands upon thousands of items for the Winnipeg Jets. Of course, Royals, the hockey superstore in town for over 35 years, uh, snowboard headquarters as well. And make sure you pop by on the other side to see all the cool stuff over at King Skate Snow and Surf. When you pop by Royal Sports at 750 Pembina Highway, hit them up on Instagram as well. Royal Sports Pembina for all the latest merchandise drops and sales happening over at Royal Sports. And as we get into 2022, you might be thinking about a new vehicle for the road. 
If you are thinking about a new car, before you do anything, talk to our friends over at Not Auto Corp. They are the experts uh, and will get you into the car of your dreams at a great price. Why not pop down and see Trevor and the gang at Not Auto Corp? Of course, you can see Milt Stiegel doing his thing in this amazing ad we're showing on, on the, uh, the screen right now. Uh, and they've also got the Winnipeg Car Lab going as well. Uh, it's all there, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at not.ca. Big shout out to Not Auto Corp, who have been with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. Hammer, uh, I did want to hit some bomber topics with you. Um, Friday night, big signing, literally and figuratively, Stanley Bryant back. And, uh, it was pretty clear where Kyle Walters was prioritizing when he came in to re-signing his, uh, his top players, um, both sides of the line of scrimmage, Willie J, Jackson Jeffcoat, of course, Zach Caleros was a big one, Adam Big Hill, uh, and now Jamarcus Hardrick signed earlier, um, but Stanley Bryant is simply irreplaceable, and uh, great news for the Bombers to have him back anchoring the line. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I don't think this one was really in doubt. You know, I think uh, Stanley Bryant has been a, of course, a very, very, very important player to that that offensive line, but also someone who cares a lot about Winnipeg. And if anyone would have seen some of his comments after the signing, uh, really did show how important it was. And one that I, I this wouldn't be verbatim, but the one that stuck out to me was uh, his comment about why would I want to go somewhere else and try to build something that we, that I was a part of years ago and and am now reaping the benefits of of all, you know, his and others' hard work uh, to create an environment that Winnipeg has created uh, on their football team. So, you know, huge signing, you know, a guy who likely probably could have gotten more money. I don't know exactly what his contract is, but you know that somebody would have overpaid for Stanley Bryant to bring in, you know, not just his dominating play, but, you know, all the things that the, that Winnipeg does and, and you know, in, in their culture and establishing that somewhere else. So again, just another guy that, you know, you wonder where all these, you know, you wonder where, where, where all this money is coming from and how it's going to fit under the cap. But when you look at, you know, and there are, you know, to be said, you know, that being said, there are a handful of guys that are, you know, important pieces to this team that, that aren't signed yet. But uh, just when you look at what what Kyle Walters and and, and the staff at the Bombers have been able to do to bring back and retain, uh, you know, a lot of those key contributors to this organization, you know, it it makes a lot of sense why, why the Bombers are heavy favorites to, to go back to back to back in 2022. Yeah, Jeff, um, bombing was uh, on the uh, Kyle Walters call this morning, and he tweeted out that uh, negation, negotiations are ongoing with Andrew Harris and clarifies, quote, there are discussions on Andrew's future happening between Mike O'Shea and Harris regarding 33's playing career. This was at the time sort of, you know, bookended uh, by Kyle Walters talking about the challenges to sign Johnny Augustine who looked very good in very limited amount of playing time. And I think there is demand for him. Um, but start off with uh, Harris. I mean, you've covered him for a long time. Um, you know, he's done it all. Um, we had him on the program a few weeks ago, and he said he still thinks that there's uh, something left in the tank. And uh, it certainly looked that way when he got back in. Is Andrew Harris uh, a bomber next year, do you think? Oh, I don't like I want to say that's the number one question, but it's just not the number one question with this team. And I think that kind of says, you know, where where Andrew is in his career. I mean, nothing against him. I just think he, you know, he, of course, did in the time that he played with this team. Of course, there was a ton of injuries for him in 2021. But when he did play, especially when he returned from all those injuries for the playoffs, I mean, he was 
he was, you know, he played incredibly, uh, you know, so he's certainly a guy you want on your team. He's, he's not just somebody who brings that, that clear edge as, as a competitor, as an athlete, but he's the guy who brings a presence to the, to the huddle that is unique um, to anybody else on this offense. He just brings that extra energy guys, guys get up for, for playing for 33. And, and, and those are things that are important with uh, you know, of course with teams. So the comments that, that Kyle made and, and that, you know, Andrew was, was talking to Mike O'Shea about his football future. Well, that can be, that can be interpreted in a number of ways. It can be interpreted as in maybe, maybe Mike O'Shea is trying to convince Andrew Harris to come back, you know, and convince him to come back at a, at a you know, a, a different role or a different, you know, just a different influence with the offense, you know, maybe, or, or maybe Andrew's trying to convince him to come back and say, you know, we know that Brady Oliveira is, is, is the guy waiting, you know, the, waiting to kind of get that torch from, from Andrew Harris. And it just makes it even more perfect that he's from Winnipeg as well. Um, but I think it's a combination perhaps of both trying to find out, you know, where Andrew Harris's head's at. I mean, you hear a lot about, you know, the love of playing this game. And, and a big part of that is, is, is going into off seasons and putting in the work necessary to play a grueling sport, whether it's, you know, football or hockey or, or whatever sport you play, it's a lot of work to go into the off season to prepare for that upcoming season. Um, you know, in talking to Andrew at the Grey cup, I think we even talked about this on this show, you know, he, he didn't like the fact that he, that he didn't play a full season in, in, in 2021. He, he didn't like that. He was shelved uh, that, that he didn't like that. He started training camp um, injured. He didn't like that. He was out for weeks throughout the season, you know, and, and, you know, I thought that might've convinced him like, Hey, you don't have to play all 18 games. You don't have to play an entire regular season to be, you know, to play a role or to be a, a big impact player. And I was kind of surprised to, to hear that answer that, you know, what, what he really cared about was kind of ending playing an entire season and not one that was as injury riddled as him. So, you know, that, you know, that's in the back of his mind. He did say, you know, even after that first, even after that first great cup win in 2019, followed by a canceled season, a lot of people thought maybe that was the end for 33 too. But, you know, he mentioned that he would see highlights, you know, whether it was his, whether it was his own performances, you know, throughout the, the season or and particularly in the gray cup or whether it was watching NFL and watching those guys compete, you know, those, you know, those, those juices came rushing back to him and he wanted to play. Look, I like to think that the conversation, especially knowing Mike O'Shea and, and his, his loyalty to players, I'd like to think the conversation is more like if 33 wants to come back, there's a home for you here. It might look different um, than maybe what you're used to, or, or maybe we could, or maybe it's coming back and getting, allowing Brady Oliveira to, you know, get another year under his belt and then take over that position. Um, but I just have a hard time thinking that the Bombers would look at, you know, Andrew, depending on money and other things like that, um, without, you know, without open arms. So it'll be interesting to figure out where he fits. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you can pay him as, you know, because he's just not as important as he once was in this offense. I mean, we've seen guy, you know, this was, he made, you know, you could argue that Andrew Harris made Matt Nichols and, you know, a, a very, very good quarterback in the CFL. And we saw how Matt Nichols played without 33 beside him. So he's done a lot for this team. He's just not relied on nearly as much, especially when you have a guy like Brady Oliveira waiting to take over. So I think those will be fine. I don't really know if I offer any kind of answer to your question. Um, I believe you, I think you will see 33. I'm not as confident as I was when I was on your show and said, he'll definitely be playing in the playoffs, uh, <laughs> you know, 
but I, but I do think that, you know, if Andrew does, you know, want to come back and he, he wants to play, I think I'd like to think that there's a, there's a place for him with the Bombers to, you know, continue what has been, you know, as was the case with, with Stanley Bryant, a very big piece of, building this organization back up to respectability and now viewed as as you know the class of the Canadian Football League a lot of that falls on 33. Yeah no doubt about it I mean I still maintain it's the most impactful free agent signing in the history of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers what he's done on the field for the culture of it and is such a huge part and you know it would be you know a shame if he wasn't still in the mix but I mean that position in particular um, you know is one that you know things can stop soon but he still has been very very productive just a little different when you've got the likes of Brady Oliveira, Augustine potentially, and then Kyle Borsa as well, who I know they're quite high on and mm-hmm. have plans of him being in the mix. Last one for you, Jeff. We mentioned that the priority for Walters was the line of scrimmage on both sides. Uh, now receiver and DB, specifically to the receivers. We know Kenny Lawler was getting a look in the National Football League, but um, Lawler, Bailey, Adams, Walatarski, all pending free agents. Uh, how many of those guys do you think come back and um, who likely do you think is the number one target right now if you're kind of prioritizing their importance to the Bombers? You have to think that Kenny Lawler is the number one importance. I mean, he led the CFL in receiving yards last year to not make him a priority. And and he didn't, you know, he 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 did so with impressive catches. You know, he he went up, you know, he was a guy that he would go to the ball. I mean, he battles for balls. He made great catches, came up with clutch touchdowns last season, you know, obviously had the unfortunate uh, situation with the, with the DUI. I don't think that changes his, you know, any, I don't think that affects anything with the bombers and wanting to bring him back by any means. Uh, I think the biggest thing will be the NFL interest. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, like any American or Canadian for that matter, skilled position or any position, the opportunity to play in the NFL would be, would be an absolute dream. And, you know, it's interesting you don't you didn't you didn't ask me about this, but a guy like Chris Struggler, for instance, right? I mean, you know, there's been a lot of buzz recently about him coming back to the Canadian Football League. I know Dave Naylor's been kind of all over that, um, you know, suggesting that if he doesn't get any interest in the next next few months, you could see him turn his sights back towards the CFL. And I think, but I think those two situations, I bring him up because I think those two situations are very different. I mean, with Chris Strebler, you kind of know what you get with him as a quarterback. You've seen the tape. And if, if you, if you haven't um, garnered any interest in the next three or four months, you really is no interest for you in the NFL. Whereas, you know, a receiver like Kenny Lawler could stick around, wait for his opportunity. And when injuries happen and stuff like that could be an option. So you might see him hold, out a little bit more for that opportunity whereas Chris Strebler might be interested in coming back to the CFL reminding the NFL you know just how unique he is as a quarterback to get another shot but you know I I say the same things about you know DeAndre Alford and Yatrick Nichols some of which have signed right I mean just because they sign doesn't mean they're going to be around I mean the 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 NFL is a nasty business and you know they might find a guy they like more and you might not even step on the field and, and get your walking papers so you know there's a lot that can happen but certainly you know this is a position Group. I mean, this is kind of the last of the position groups. You know, you look at you look at the receiver position. You mentioned Rasheed Bailey, Drew Wolitarski, two guys that very, very, very much enjoy their time in Winnipeg. I don't think that you know. I don't think they've done enough in this league to warrant you know kind of massive money um, by any stretch. But so they would certainly be a priority, I imagine, to, to sign and, and a like like a likability to sign too. I don't even know if that's the right word, but that's where my brain went. Um, and so, you know, you, but then you look at DBs, but look what the, look what the Bombers staff did 
heading into 2021. Deatrick Nichols and DeAndre Alford were rookies, and they end up being CFL All-Stars. So, hey, it's super easy. Just go find two more studs to uh, play very, very challenging positions in your secondary and go back to back to back. I mean, what else is there to expect? Um, but certainly, you know, the other interesting thing, and I, I don't know if we haven't seen it yet because free agency hasn't opened, but I wonder what that effect that, you know, we'll call it the bomber effect, the blue and gold effect, if you will, um, from other players in the CFL, other established players who may take less money to come play for a team like Winnipeg, not only based on their success, but uh, based on everything that they've heard come out of these interviews following the signings and how important these players are to each other and how great the culture is and, you know, the effect of Mike O'Shea and all these things. So you look at, you know, there, there is opportunity there where if you don't sign all of your, you know, all the guys that you want back, there might just be a list of players, you know, looking to talk and, 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 and find a way uh, to get onto the Blue Bombers roster. So I think that will be fascinating. So as challenging as it is to bring everybody back, I think the Bombers are in an absolutely incredible position, not just for what they've done already to bring back some of those key contributors from previous years, um, but what the opportunity that lies ahead in free agency and how that could play out. Well, I said this so with Dustin Nielsen last week in Edmonton, but I mean, uh, Walters is closing like Mariano Rivera right now. He's getting everything done, and um, man, it's uh, been an exciting offseason already, and uh, can't wait to get things going for uh, the three-down game coming up when it gets a little warmer. Hammer, this was awesome. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, what do you have cooking up in the uh, pages of the Winnipeg Free Press coming up this week? Uh, today I'm off, uh, this, and then I'm, then the rest of this week, I got some jets. I'm going on the trip to St. Louis and Philadelphia this upcoming weekend. So looking forward to kind of getting back on the road for that. Got my CFL call in midweek. I'm chasing the CHL story, uh, report that came out over the weekend, um, regarding, you know, how the league, how their leagues, WHL, OHL. Q&A, oh, I meant to bring that up folks. If you haven't already uh, read the, uh, read the, the, the Saturday, uh, Saturday paper, uh, you know, it's online. This is, um, this is a big story, I imagine, that uh, just sort of getting started now, um, coming out of the report on Saturday. Yeah, just um, for those who didn't see, the CHL finally released a report that they commissioned a year ago um, that was spearheaded by you know the likes of Sheldon Kennedy um, and others, a uh, three-person panel, to to kind of paint a picture of abuse in, in the CHL's leagues. And uh, the picture is not good, hence the reason why they sat on it for a year. And then finally, when you know a motion was put forward in the class action lawsuit that's currently against the CHL for decades of, of you know, allegations of, you know, crazy, crazy examples of physical, sexual and mental abuse, um, you know, not, once they filed a motion to have that that uh, that report released, um, lo and behold, the CHL commissioned a separate review that just that seemed to be a little more diplomatic and then buried the original one. So it's just kind of figuring out those things and and what it means and what the CHL is going to do, because at the end of the day, I mean, accountability is the only way for things to change. And as we've seen, you know, instances here in the, you know, the ECHL and some of the, you know, some of the just gross behaviors that have happened. I mean, they get, they begin somewhere earlier, right? When, when, you know, when, when you have statistics like 52% of, you know, you know, families and and just a little bit less players believe bullying exists and and have witnessed bullying it's just it just paints an ugly picture and the only way it's gonna only way it's gonna be improved is if uh if you know if these leagues get held accountable and 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 make market change and i think we are headed that direction we've been kind of headed that direction for years but um yeah so a blend of that kind of stuff a blend of football and uh, of course a blend of hockey some of the more fun things to talk about uh will we'll take up my week
So you're going to be in St. Louis on Saturday. That's an afternoon game. Um, yeah. Will you be attending the Royal Rumble that night also in St. Louis? What a doubleheader. Is, is there a Royal Rumble in St. Louis that night? <laughs> that night. That night. <laughs> See if you can get into the, uh, the TWA Dome with the uh, know, live report. You know what? I, I, I was a massive wrestling fan growing up, like massive wrestling fan. And, um, and, and so I used to watch a lot of those shows or a lot of the Royal Rumbles and all, all the pay-per-view events or whatever. And then I got to go to one in Tampa a few years ago with, uh, with Bucky, a, a former TSN producer, great guy. And, and it's very different watching it live versus watching it on TV because you don't get the play-by-play. So you're just kind of watching. And like, so I had the fortunate of, of again, Paul Buchanan, Bucky, um, beside me, giving me the play-by-play as if not, not, not exactly like, you know, tossing, but just kind of letting me in on things. But that would certainly be something to put off. A, I don't know if it's on my bucket list, but certainly a cool event to check out. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I had a trip with a friend down to Houston and it happened to be happening, I guess, right before the pandemic. And we went and it was an absolute riot. I mean, like the rumble more than almost anyone else. It's just really interesting fun. So, uh, yeah, there's your tip for Saturday night in St. Louis. Uh, it should be great. Hammer, thanks so much for doing this, man. Uh, look forward to it and uh, travel safely. Hey, always a pleasure, Hash, and shout out to the commenters. Uh, you guys make this show, so appreciate it. Right on. At Jeff K. Hamilton on Twitter, and make sure to check out Saturday's Free Press for uh, Jeff's report that uh, we just mentioned. All right, we're going to talk some NFL with the sports rabbi, my good friend, Matt Leibel, uh, and we will raise a little brown jug and cheers Patrick Mahomes for his legendary performance yesterday in the NFL playoffs. What a weekend it was. We'll get to all that with Matt. Uh, Of course, right now, if you're hunkering down, another extreme cold warning coming up. Good news. You can get the great taste of Little Brown Jug delivered directly to your house. LittleBrownJug.ca right now offering free delivery in the city of Winnipeg for the month of January. So you don't even need to leave the house. But if you do, make sure to pop by your local beer store or Pop down and see them in person on William Avenue. Get all the great taste of Little Brown Jug. Great merchandise as well. Uh, but it is available for free delivery throughout the month, all over at littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, we're working on some fun curling programming as we get into and closer to Jen Jones looking to uh, take another crack at a gold medal over at the Olympic Games. Um, of course, Princess Auto, very proud sponsor of the Jen Jones team going to try and work on something with them for uh, maybe a little viewing party for one of our a few of the the Jen Jones games going on right now though Princess Auto in addition to being a great supporter of the Roaring Game is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto two locations here in Winnipeg national headquarters here in Winnipeg of course the family owned Winnipeg business uh, but you can shop online and get those ideas flowing 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. And hey, a big shout out to our friends over at Boston Pizza. Uh, made a trek out to Charleswood. Saw a bunch of my friends out there and packed the BP lounge. First time in a really long time, to be honest, that, you know, it was in. Obviously, it wasn't full because of the capacity restrictions, but just a great atmosphere. Watched the Jets-Bruins game into the Titans. Bengals game, uh, and uh, obviously had some cactus cuts, pizza, chow dog had a brute, uh, and of course a few schooners as well, Boston's wings. It was uh, an unbelievable sports day at BP. 
And whether it's the Jets playing this weekend or Championship Sunday, you know Boston Pizza is where sports fans get together to enjoy the big game. Of course, if you want to order online, check them out. All their game day deals as well at bostonpizza.com. You can order online as well. All right, speaking of the National Football League, um, not enough time to talk about everything that happened over the course of the weekend. Four incredibly thrilling games finishing up with an all-time classic, one of the greatest games in NFL history last night between the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. And no one I enjoy chopping it up, talking NFL with more than my good friend, the sports rabbi, Matt Leibel. To say that that was an epic all-time weekend for football fans would be an understatement. Um, Arguably one of the best games you'll ever see and four absolute thrillers to get us down to the final four in the National Football League. And tell you what, I uh, sure have missed chopping it up with this guy on Mondays after NFL Sundays. And uh, what a great time to welcome in our guy, the sports rabbi, Matt Leibel. Leibs, what's up, man? How are you? I mean, hustler, to everything you said about the fantastic football weekend, I haven't had that much fun. I mean, I love watching football, and my family, my young kids, and my wife know that January is a time where my focus is not very much on them, but that was, and especially after the fact that the weekend before, it was just blowout after blowout after blowout. Like, it was hard to get into any of those games, even the Dallas game. Like, no one really believed Dallas was going to do anything at the end. There was entertaining and comical, but you had a bunch of blowouts. Got the cat in the picture. And I mean, to follow that up with four, like I was texting with you and we were saying that these games were all going to be close and they didn't disappoint. Every game came down to the final play. Three field goals and then the overtime, right? For the Chiefs, for your Chiefs. You must be feeling pretty good on a personal level as well. But it was, it was I, uh, just a fantastic weekend. Uh, I, I am exhausted. I feel like I played the game myself. I mean, that was such a roller coaster. I mean, you know, and you'd mentioned this off the air. We may as well start off with that game because there's just so much to unpack from the Buffalo, Kansas City game that uh, finished it off yesterday night. But I mean, that game was a classic up until the two minute warning. And what happened in the final two minutes of that football game? I mean, I still can't believe it. I had to rewatch it twice when I got back home to just make sure what I thought I saw actually happened. And, uh, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, and, and, and criminal Josh Allen could not have played any better. I mean, you got to feel for the Bills and man, Bills fans today. I mean, that that might be worse than losing two Super Bowls. Well, I mean, the one consolation for the Bills fans, I think that there is a very bright future, and I actually think that I mean, it's inches, not feet. It's close, but I think Josh Allen had a better game than Pat Mahomes as far as, like, just quarterback, quarterback. Again, I mean, they were both absolutely insane. And that's just because every time Allen had to run the ball, he ran the ball. And he runs the ball unlike really anyone I've ever seen play quarterback. I mean, there's not a lot of finesse, but he doesn't need any. It's all power. It is just absolutely amazing. Yeah, we were saying that up until the two-minute warning, it was a phenomenal game. Really, no mistakes. Two teams, best on best. It was shaping up to be an amazing finish. And then what happened in the last two minutes there, I I just don't know. I guess unless there's zeros on the clock for either of these guys and their teams, what what they can accomplish is is amazing. I, 13 seconds for Mahomes. Even before that, I mean, when 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 Buffalo scored and it was just inside the two minute warning, you knew Mahomes and the Chiefs were going to do something, but you didn't think it was going to go Chiefs touchdown, Bills touchdown, Chiefs field goal. 
before the game finished. And then, and then it, I mean, you knew that when the Chiefs started with the ball, but the Bills weren't going to touch it again. Like Josh Allen looked pretty good in his helmet, like he wanted to get out there. Uh, sorry, I call that one the Tebow rule because I'm. I, we were all working on TSN when Tebow had that touchdown to the now late great Demarius Thomas. And everyone knows that if you score a touchdown in your opening drive, it's over. I mean, the, the way that that shaped up, I, I, to me, like I can't – we've seen amazing football games. Uh, Pat's comeback over the Falcons would be a great example. Other ones like that. But, no, with that much action, that much back and forth. And I feel for you as a Chiefs fan or a Bills fan because the roller coaster was insane. It uh, took a few uh, years off everyone's uh, ticker, I think, at the end of it all. Would it surprise you to know that Mahomes had more rushing yards than Josh Allen and less carries yesterday? No. I mean, these sorts of things don't surprise me. I guess maybe Allen's runs are just so impactful. And maybe the timing, I think there were a few third down runs. Mahomes was great. I've always thought Mahomes should run a little bit more than he usually does. The first drive, the first Kansas City drive answering the Buffalo touchdown. Um, was basically three big runs of Patrick Mahomes. And I think that was very important to sort of loosening up the Buffalo defense a little bit to allow them to, you know, get going with the pass-happy attack that, you know, ended up following that first touchdown drive where most of the job was done with 15 on the ground. And when he dove for the pylon for the touchdown, I mean, like like I said, like both of them were were absolutely – outstanding i i did not think what that i mean i already knew this is what i'll say to you i already knew what pat mahomes was i did not learn more about pat mahomes in that game he just to me further cemented early in his career what he is and what he is still going to be but josh allen because allen He's been amazing in the regular season, but he's, I mean, and they've had great games. He's also had some clunker games. And I think that if, if the bills had a bit of a setback yesterday, we would have said, yeah, sometimes they go forward and they come back. But especially the answer with a minute left when Kansas city scored, I mean, after he's so pumped up, it's like a minute 54 left. Then Kansas city gets the ball and they score. And then he's got a minute left. That drive to me said, you can't, you can't, it's going to be a debate now, hopefully for years that we'll get to live through who's better, Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes. I mean, to me, Allen took a step in that game yesterday and, and Bill's fans, I mean, it's not going to comfort them today, but they, they have an incredibly bright future in that division. And I mean, even in that conference, even with guys like Mahomes and Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, just, he, he he's, he's so tremendous. The play where Gabriel Davis made the double move and the defender fell over. I don't think I've ever seen that in the NFL. He got taken out by one of his teammates. It was almost like the guy chicken-winged his own def- his own defender, and uh, next thing you know, he was on his ass, and Gabriel Davis was doing another touchdown dance. The, the, yeah, the, the whole the, that whole game was was amazing. But let me ask you this. I mean, as a Chiefs fan, that angle, could the weekend have gone any better for the Chiefs. Like if you asked the Chiefs, or I'll ask you before the game, who would you want to win, Cincinnati or Tennessee? You'd probably say Cincinnati. I know they've got bigger games, but like, you know, I think you'd probably still want the team that's figuring things out and doesn't have as great a defense, fine, to play in the AFC Championship game. And then I tell you, okay, Rodgers and Brady, 
are both going to lose in the NFC, which means there's no chance if you get to the Super Bowl of seeing either of them. I mean, it was a great weekend of football, but it was also a fantastic weekend to line things up for the Chiefs to get back there and get back to what I think they they're you know what it's an interesting question but I'll tell you what I mean all of that is secondary because going into this week and really going into the playoffs I think I was on with Nielsen in Edmonton and he said you know from a you know from a Chiefs perspective what's the team that you know worries you the most in the playoff field and I said it was the Buffalo Bills I mean when Buffalo gets going I mean they are a really really scary team we saw what they did to New England, and um, I mean, what can you say about the performance they put on yesterday? That was going to be, I think, the biggest test. Um, you know, as far as the Bengals go, um, listen, Joe Burrow got one over on Mahomes in Week 17, and that was a big, big game for Kansas City. That really, that game is the reason why they didn't have the bye in the first round. So, um, you know, I, I think, I mean, they'll be a significant favorite in this game. Um, you know, they'll get a chance to get one back, uh, much like they did on the Buffalo Bills. But it was the Bills that were the concern. I mean, surviving that game at home, um, you know, everything else was secondary and it didn't matter if you don't do that. But uh, we'll get to the NFC in a minute for how this looks. Hey, just before we move on from this game, you mentioned Gabriel Davis. Eight catches, 201 yards, and four touchdowns. And that performance might essentially be forgotten for history because of uh, 13 seconds and what the Chiefs were able to do. Tough one for Gabe. It, it's it's overall tough for everyone on Buffalo, for Allen, for Davis. But yeah, that that's that's one of those uh, that's one of those games where yeah, you're gonna have to try and remember as much as you possibly can because the 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 final score, what happened, looking back, going scrolling through. Oh yeah, that one year where the Chiefs beat the Bills. But that wasn't what happened. It wasn't just that the Chiefs beat the Bills. There were a million things that happened that are worth mentioning. Gabriel Davis. It's not even just the numbers. It's how wide open he was sometimes. I mean, just his ability. Again, that play we talked about where he's like, he just makes the guy fall down. I've never seen an NFL defender like that fall down. Though, I think, you and you would probably point this out too, without Teron Matthew in the backfield, like in the secondary, sorry, um, maybe some of those things don't happen, but he left the game and they did. And it was an NFL record, right? No one's ever had four touchdowns receiving in a playoff game. If I remember, I that don't believe so. Yeah, correctly. The one other thing I do want to just say that about that game is, um, and I don't know how you guys feel about the broadcasters. I could watch I mean, Jim Nance is a classic, but I could watch Tony Romo watch the same football game I'm watching. Every I would want him to do every single game. He just he can't contain his excitement, and he's yet still so focused and insightful, and takes you inside and behind with the detail. But he's just he is he is simultaneously former player, insightful broadcaster, and geeked up fan. And I think that that I mean anyone could have called that game last night. I think he would have been excited. He could have been on mute, and he would have been excited. <laughs> but I just love Tony Romo. I just absolutely. I've got a, I've got a big, uh, I've got a big man crush on on Tony Romo for sure. Well, Romo, uh, he he makes the uh, watching and listening experience that much better. Um, and you said, I mean, he has an infectious love of the game. And you know, when you get a performance, a game like that between two quarterbacks, two heavyweights slugging it out, um, you know, it makes it that much better. Matt Libel's with us. So the Chiefs move on to take on 
the Cincinnati Bengals. Who day? Joe Burrow going to the AFC Championship game uh, probably ends up being the comeback player of the year. Uh, but what was the takeaway from you? Was it uh, the incredible kicking of Evan McPherson? Um, or was it the Tennessee Titans not being ready for prime time after that bye? And Ryan Tannehill coming up incredibly small in a big game. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. I mean, McPherson, yeah. I love, maybe it's because of all those years working with Westwood, but I, I have an appreciation, at least, if not a love, for, for kickers and what the they art. go through. Yeah, it's such a difficult, uh, and maybe after this weekend for punters too, especially in Green Bay, we'll get to that. But no, I think I think that, uh, I always used to say when, when I was on the air, with when we were on the air at the old place, did a team win or did a team lose? Or was it a combination of both? I don't want to discredit the Bengals. They ha- they, nothing was handed to them. They earned that win. They went on the road. They silenced the doubters. They have a great quarterback. They have the ability to put up uh, big plays and points quickly, and they're still growing. They did all the things that they needed to do. They hung in there after he got sacked, like, what, nine times? But the game to me more is about the fact that Tennessee, yeah, they let that slip away. I think small picture and big picture, there are concerns for Tennessee. Obviously, small picture, they lose the game. But it wasn't just that they lose the game. It wasn't just about the pick at the end. It's about the fact that I was going back and looking at some of the numbers. Third down for Tennessee. You should look at one for eight. Oof. How are you? How did you get a bye? How are you the top seed in the conference hosting a playoff game, thinking that you actually will take on either Buffalo or Kansas City after you win this game and you convert one third down in the entire game? And you're not playing the Buffalo D. You're not, you're playing the Cincinnati D. I mean, when you look at all the quarterbacks who are in games this weekend, other than Jimmy Garoppolo, there's no quarterback I like least, less, fewest. Not as much as Ryan Tannehill. I just don't think, look, he's done so, when he was in Miami, he was whatever. He's, he's definitely impressed since he's been in Tennessee. And the fact that they were able to win as many games without Derrick Henry as they did, kudos to Ryan Tannehill. But still, where's the Ryan Tannehill big game that we need? It just, it, it isn't there. And then I think big picture, Derrick Henry is not ever going to be the Derrick Henry he was of three years ago, two years ago. I mean, after an injury, I think, He's more on the way down, maybe still productive. Where's Tennessee go from here? This does not feel like a team that is going to be back in this spot next year. So I think even with a a standout guy like A.J. Brown. So I think that there are big concerns because, like you said it, they weren't ready. They had a bye, and they weren't ready. He threw a pick on his. He threw a pick on his first pass first of the game. Throw on his first, first throw. throw of the game. Like, well, uh, okay, I guess the Bengals are ready to go. Um, and then, of course, how how it ended. Um, I, I will say this about Joe Burrow. Um, and again, you know, they had to settle for a lot of field goals. But he is, um, he's a guy that can inspire confidence in a team, in a fan base. Um, he just seems so cool under pressure. And we saw what he did in the big game at LSU in the national championship. And, um, you know, we've seen so far some pretty uh, clutch plays, ice in his veins. And speaking of ice, just back to uh, McPherson. Apparently, when they got the ball back, they ended up getting up, and all of a sudden, they had a chance for a chance for a game-winning field goal. And he just casually says to the guys on the bench, "Well, I guess we're going to the AFC Championship game," and walks out 
kicks it and walks away like some uh, some big big stones. Um, that being said, Bengals are moving up a weight class. I'm going to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. But Matt, they had some success against this very team just what two three weeks ago. Um, they know that they'll be the underdogs. Although they said they're sort of saying that they're done with that rep, like they yeah. deserve to be there. I'm sort of here for it. But uh, what do you make of the challenge of the Bengals uh, going into Arrowhead and trying to upset the Chiefs after what we saw yesterday? I've seen too many things in sports to say that I would be shocked, but it's pretty close. I, I think that you make the great point about the last game of the regular season, the back and forth game that the Chiefs really wanted because they wanted to be the top seed. But I think the Bengals were good and lucky to get the win there. I just don't see it happening. Again, there were some things that happened this weekend that I didn't see happening, and that's why they play the games. And that's why I watch the games, because I don't know. But I'm with you. The Chiefs, not that they're looking past Cincinnati. I think they're too well coached, and they're too experienced. And Mahomes, Kelsey, um, those guys are too good of a leadership group on the defense too. They've got guys I, I, to look past the Bengals and take them lightly, but they're not, they're not going to go one for eight on third down efficiency against mm-hmm. Cincinnati. They're not going to score only 16 points against Cincinnati. They might score 16 points in the first two minutes or in the final two minutes <laughs> or somewhere in there in two minutes. Um, Cincinnati is going to, they're going to have their hands full and their, and, and their story should end here and it's still a fantastic season whereas Tennessee their season ending when it did big questions about the future Cincinnati's future I mean they're playing with house money now they win this game and go to the Super Bowl that's just insane but to be in the AFC championship game I I think a lot of people thought they were going to be fourth in their division (laughs) they won their division oh going into the season they won this one right like yeah going into the season I mean they were uh I mean Joe Burrow left you know, on a stretcher last year, people weren't even sure what he was going to be like coming right. back to it this season. And a lot of people thought that uh, Zach Taylor would be one of the first, if not the first coach fired this year. So uh, yeah, the who day nation, they've uh, had a great season. What a game we've got coming up. I just think that for Cincinnati playing with house money can sometimes make a team very dangerous because they're loose and they're confident. Um, but I just don't see them being able to do enough to beat Kansas city because Kansas city all I don't know how you felt. We haven't talked about Kansas City through the year. It's been a really, a really interesting year for the Chiefs. But they're doing what you want to be doing in a sports season, regardless of the sport. They're playing their best football at the end of the season. They had some bumps along the way to get there, a slow start. By the end of the year, they were looking really good, still not as dominant as they've been in the past. And I'm not saying that they're looking dominant, but they're looking like that team that is never out of a game regardless of the score or the time on the clock. And I just don't think Cincinnati has an answer to that. So I think Kansas City will win. I think they'll win quite comfortably. And I think afterwards, everyone will say, good season, Cincinnati. Kansas City, you're back in the Super Bowl. And uh, you're probably the favorites. Well, we'll see about that. Let's get to the NFC. And it is somewhat funny that we're talking about this all-time game between the Bills and the Chiefs and two quarterbacks playing the position as well as you'll almost ever see. And then we go to the Saturday game between the 49ers and the Packers. And uh, Jimmy G with the QBR of 11.9 is somehow moving on to the NFC Championship game. Uh, I have a feeling that the Cheeseheads are still sick to their stomach as to how that 
um, unraveled on them. And you know what, Matt? For a team that was 13-3 and three and did so many good things, special teams had been an Achilles heel of the Green Bay Packers all season long. And oh my God, did it come back to bite them in the postseason at home with the path to the Super Bowl going through Lambeau Field. I'd love, I didn't do any digging and I wouldn't even maybe know exactly where to look. I'd love to get the numbers on if a team has ever had a field goal and a punt blocked in the same playoff game. That would feel like that maybe hasn't happened or has happened very few times. And you're right, the special teams are a concern. Um, on the one hand, I will say that I've always kind of hated it when special teams decides a game because I feel like it doesn't tell the whole story. Um, it's just kind of like a fluke play sometimes. Like when there'd be a big kickoff return for a touchdown, you know, it doesn't tell the whole story of the game. It's like this one moment. But on the other hand, it's kind of like what you were getting at. How can you possibly be 13-3, and three, have home field advantage through the playoffs, think that you're going to be the going to the Super Bowl and have special teams that are capable of that? Like that's not a championship team either. I'm not saying your special teams have to be amazing, but you can't lose the game because of the special teams. And either the punt or the field, you take them away and they win the game. You have the three points from the field goal, or I mean that block, punt. I just don't know how. When you know they're going to come for you, and you know that you're on your goal line, that you're not, that you can't prevent that. It just, it, it's kind of crazy to me. Maybe Mike McCarthy is still the coach in Green Bay. No, no, I won't go there. But uh, to me, the game, look, I know the weather was a factor, and I knew Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be terrible. I still kind of thought, setting up that field goal, the guys I was watching with, I said, I bet you he fumbles it here. Like how, like I bet you Jimmy G takes a penalty, makes a mistake, blows the field goal, so they can't they can't win the game at the end of time. Um, as time's running out, but I, to me the story is Aaron Rodgers. It's just another big game. Kudos to San Francisco's defense, but it's just another big game. Sure, there's weather. Fine, Josh Allen would have made throws in that weather. They put up ten points. How do you put up ten points? How do you put up ten points? And it's not like he didn't connect with Devonte Adams. He did connect with Devonte Adams. He just didn't do anything. I think ninety yards or whatever. Like they just. They didn't run the ball particularly well. They didn't throw the ball particularly well. They had chances. It was a pretty boring game. They couldn't really get anything going. And it's it's kind of like Rodgers, you know, in the last few seasons, I feel like he has these great regular seasons. And then the playoffs come around and... One ring. One ring. <sighs> I mean, the guy's one of the most talented quarterbacks and he's been on a no good question. team for a long time. I blame Mike McCarthy more than anyone for their lack of success during the McCarthy era. Um, but it's hard not to look at Aaron Rodgers. And listen, I know everyone's having a great time. The entire internet is dunking on him repeatedly right now. Um, and he sort of put himself out there as a bit of a lightning rod. Uh, and it's all great when you're winning and you're backing everything up. But when you have a dud like that on national TV with your season on the line, well, what do you think this, like, what do you expect Aaron Rodgers to, uh, to go from here? You think he's, well, he's, go he's, he's got to go to another team. Right? Like he's, they got it. That was it. This is it's got to be. I mean, it's just so much. It's so much drama. It's so much heat. And it, like if you're in a relationship with somebody and the person you're in a relationship with is very dramatic, it takes a lot out of you. But there can be redemptive moments. Maybe that person is particularly sweet, particularly good-looking, particularly helpful, brings out the best in you, and the drama is worth it. 
I think we're at the point here where the Aaron Rodgers drama is no longer worth it for either of them. It's Green Bay. Yeah, you went 13 and three. Yeah, you got the you got the bye. Yeah, you got the home playoff game. What did it get you? 10 points in the snow. And it's always going to be snow in that playoff game when you're at home. Like that's all oh, the weather. It's that's the weather that you have. That's the that's the what you're signing up for. And again, Josh Allen signing up for the same thing in Buffalo, if not worse. So he would handle it. And for Aaron Rodgers, like, is this what you want your life to be? I mean, come on. You're not happy there. You're clearly not happy there. If you ask me, uh, here's this one, Hassan was practicing. Aaron Rodgers needs a real shot in the arm. And he wouldn't get that any better than being from being on another team. The question to me is not if he'll go, but where he'll go and where's the best fit. I've heard Denver as a really good argument for where it would be a good fit for him. Um, I know that they're not going to put him anywhere in the NFC. Uh, but I kind of feel like if you're Aaron Rodgers, you don't want to go anywhere that is any kind of cold. And not the Denver. Like, what about New England? Aaron Rodgers in New England would be amazing. Nah, it's too cold. <laughs> Saints? Denver gets kind of cold. Saints. That's the team I was thinking is that if he could go to the Saints and if Sean Payton comes back. But I don't know if Green Bay would do that. I don't know if Green Bay would move him within even just the conference at the threat threat of possibly seeing him again. No, they would for, they the would absolutely gym. rather to see him go out to the AFC. Yeah, that's right uh, thing. So he he's but he, but it's not good for either of them. Like this is a terrible terrible situation and I'm tired of and you know what? I actually feel for Aaron on a certain level because I don't think Green Bay is is the kind of organization that does everything they can for him or to win and I think that it's easy to get frustrated. Sometimes, but he, we're past that point. Yeah, they've like, been thirteen he, and three every year for the last three seasons. I mean, that, that is true. But like, they always lose to San Francisco in the playoffs, so they've well, got some kind and of you know what? And there. so do the Rams, uh, which sets up the uh, the NFC Championship game. Um, like I can't think; it's just so stunning coming off what we saw with the Chiefs and what they had to do to get to the game. When you look at this NFC Championship game, and I don't know where the Niners could be more underwhelming going into that game with the way they played against Dallas, in particular Jimmy G, and somehow surviving that game against the Lambeau Field. And my God, the Rams, Matt, I have never seen a team do everything they could to hand a game back over to an opponent. I mean, the fact that that game came down and was tied in the final minute was was absolutely ridiculous. Like I'm I'm interested in your thoughts on the Rams going into this game. Like, yeah, they dodged a bullet, but the way they played with the lead in the second half, it was quite reminiscent of week week 18 when they blew a 17-point lead against the 49ers to allow San Francisco to get into the playoffs. I mean, that was um that was ugly and they were are incredibly fortunate to be uh, moving on with the way that they played with a 21-point lead against Tom Brady who was doing nothing. A 24-point lead. Wasn't oh, it 24 God. points? Wasn't it 27 to 3 in the third quarter? Uh yeah. I, I mean, if you're a Rams fan, I think you feel I think you feel funny. I think you feel sick to your stomach about the fact all the things that you just mentioned. Acres and the fumbles, Cooper Cup and the fumble, the snap. The snap <laughs> going over the over Stafford's head. Like that wasn't even on Stafford. The, the, but I think you feel funny because all those things make you sick. But I think you, I don't think that, I think you feel good because you've seen this team blow it and not recover. And yesterday they blew it, but recovered. 
I mean, what Stafford did with 42 seconds left, the poise, the fact that it wasn't him throwing picks, the fact that it wasn't him fumbling, you know, because the narrative is more about, sorry, my cat, he really wants to get on the show. The narrative with Stafford, he hasn't been able to separate team. When he was at Detroit all those years, it was like Stafford can't get it done and the Lions can't get it done. But yesterday I felt like it was not Stafford's fault. And then at the very end, when he had the ball with a limited amount of time, and obviously Cooper Cup makes a huge play, but so does Stafford, right? Like, so Stafford had the poise. And I think that's why you feel not just completely sick, but you still feel a little bit okay, even though you know that this team has the capacity to do that. I also think part of that, I think I think there's something, I, I, I know that talking to you about Tom Brady is kind of a difficult conversation <laughs> because you're 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 a Brady denier. A hater. A hater. You're a Brady hater. Yesterday's game, maybe that maybe the fact that Tom Brady is there and no lead is safe gets in your head a little bit as a team. It sounds strange. Maybe it's not true. Maybe no one's thinking about them. I, I don't know. But I, I don't think that I, there's no way. The, the Los Angeles Rams lose a 27 to three lead against the San Francisco 49ers. Even if that, if that leads in the first quarter, like if that's like, it's just, it's just not possible. The, t- the quarterback on the other side being Brady has a lot, a lot to do with it. I, I was just so impressed with his game. I, I thought that at the end of ye- yesterday's game, I thought it was perfect because how could he retire after losing that game? Like he's got to come back. He's got to play more. We got to get more Brady and that's great. But as for the Rams, I think the fact that they bounced, that they were able to save it and salvage it, because when when Tampa scored and made it twenty seven all, um, I, I think I don't know what you. I thought for sure they're winning that game, and the fact that the Rams pulled that game out, maybe you can maybe you can work with that. Going against the Niners, the if they lose, I don't care what happens. If they lose in a game where weather is not the fa- factor at because home, they're in L.A. At, at home, home with a home Super Bowl awaiting if they win. And with and with that disparity in quarterback talent. I, I just. Well, I, here's I, the thing. I don't Kyle know. Shanahan, I, just, I cannot see that happen. Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay. They have I won guess. six straight games like they just haven't been able to beat the Niners. And. I mean, I still can't believe the way that game in week 18 went. And the fact that we're getting a rematch of these two clubs right away, um, uh, it's going to be excellent. Although I'll say this, the conference championship games could very well be anticlimactic over the incredible excitement that we had over these four games this weekend. Like, I don't know how you top that. No, for sure. Um, I think that the NFC game will be better than the AFC game because you're right. Like that game is going to be Kyle Shanahan. I mean, Sean McVay, Sean McVay needs to needs to put together a game plan that that highlights the fact that the Rams are a better team. They are capable of more. I think they have more talent. I I I like Jimmy Garoppolo to me is a disaster. He's a disaster of a quarter. And it, Garoppolo is such an interesting guy, Hus, because for years I felt like it's like that scene in Zoolander. If you know that movie, I know you don't watch a lot of movies where Will Ferrell, who's the villain, says, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because everyone kept telling me Jimmy Garoppolo was this good quarterback. And I kept saying, no one has ever seen him play. <laughs> Being the backup in New England doesn't mean anything. If, if I've never seen a backup in New England play for close to 20 years. How are you telling me he's good? And then he would play for like five minutes, look good, and then get hurt. 
All I knew about Jimmy Garoppolo was that there was some talent there. Somebody in New England believed in him, and he was getting hurt all the time. In San Francisco, I know they went to that one Super Bowl. He wasn't really the reason. He might have been the reason why they didn't win it, actually, missing an overthrow there, if you remember that. I think you do because the Chiefs were in that game. But I just – I can't understand – like Jimmy Garoppolo – can lose games. I don't. I don't. Never, I don't see him winning games. And I think that that in order to win the championship game, like how how are you going to do that if your quarterback doesn't at least play some kind of role in winning? Matt Stafford has proven he can win a big game. He can win a big game in prime time. He can win a big game on the road. He can win a big game at home. I just Sean McVay. That whole they 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 have to win this game. They have to win this game. You go out and get Matt Stafford. You make that big trade. You convince your GM to do that. Like this is what you wanted, and if and and you should want to play the Niners. You should want to play the Niners because you should want to put the narrative that you just put that you just uh, you know expounded so well. You should put it to rest because yeah, the Niners have owned you, and it's like Kansas City. Who would you rather take on than the team that poses the biggest threat? There you go, Rams. You got what you wanted. If you lose, if the if the Super Bowl is a rematch of Chiefs Niners, that's just a huge. Disappointed because it won't be as good a game as Chiefs Rams, which would be outstanding. I think the bar has been set so high. I don't think we're going to get anything, period. Maybe for years and years that will be up there of what we saw last night. Matt, this was so much fun. We'll have to get you back uh, before the uh, the big game in L.A. in a few weeks to, uh, so you can pontificate on the uh, the final two in the Super Bowl matchup. I would, I would love, I would love to do that, and uh, I just love being back with you guys. Uh, much success. We, re- you guys have, you're well over 200 episodes now, with the Super Bowl coming. Of course, it was the day after the day after the Super Bowl that everything at the old place um, went up in uh, in smoke. And you're coming up on a year. You know, after that, like, what do you guys started in in March? Maybe you're coming yeah, up on early a year. March. So just. Wishing you and the uh, CTO of all CTOs, Michael Evelyn Remus, just the greatest of success. And um, yeah, thank you for having me. I just, uh, I'm thrilled to see you guys and talk sports again. You're the best, dude. Let's do it again soon. Thanks so much. Amen. Oh man, fun conversation with our pal, the sports rabbi himself, Matt Leibel. Great to have Matty on the program. We'll definitely get him back on before Super Bowl. Uh, to set up the big game. Uh, hey, we, we do have to get to cool bet lines. I want to give a big shout out to our friends over at the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Did uh, make a uh, pop into Northgate this weekend and got my hands on those buffalo chicken fingers. Holy smokes, are they awesome. Pairs very well with an ultimate grill burger and potentially a blizzard if you're in the mood. Uh, of course, the Nick and Nikki DQ group with four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate on McPhillips, both with drive throughs the DQ Polo Park, and of course, DQ St. Anne's that is now open year-round, and you can get that those great DQ treats delivered as well out in the St. Vital area by using Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats. If you have a need for a DQ ice cream cake coming up, uh, before you do anything, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get it custom-made for you, ready to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. Hey, a big shout-out to Eric, who was our Marble Race winner on Friday. Uh, What an incredible photo finish we had. Check out the YouTube replay if you missed it on Friday afternoon. Of course, uh, our friends at Canadian Club 
have been uh, such wonderful partners of ours here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, in addition to being purveyors of the finest spirits and liqueurs and the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They've teamed up with us for some co-branded Canadian club, Winnipeg Sports Talk merchandise and hoodies for our Marble Race winners. And of course, you can pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Mart location to get the great taste of Canadian club. And we'll be sipping on it again in the summer once the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are back at Investors Group Field. All right, let's get Remus back on here. We do have a few other news and notes we need to get to, as well as the cool bet lines. Uh, But great to see everyone in here. Lots to talk about today. Hamilton was awesome and uh, obviously just great to have the rabbi, Matt Leibel, back on the program. Yeah, sports rabbi. Uh, that's what a great name and it's true as well. So, um, great to have him. I know a lot of people in chat, uh, enjoyed hearing from Matt. So yeah, I know he's very dialed in, uh, on the NFL and how could you not be? What a, just what a great weekend it was hard to come down us on a Monday. Like it would be nice to have a little like dessert Monday night football again tonight, but, uh, yes. no, there is none. Well, there's lots of hockey on tonight yeah. and there is lots of tennis on, and I know we were talking about it in the chat a little earlier, but how about our Canadians at the Aussie Open? El Chapo on to the quarterfinals. Felix Auger-Aliassime on to the quarterfinals. Both of the guys have some pretty, some pretty tough matchups coming up. Shapovalov is going to be taking on Rafa Nadal. And Ojay Aliassim has taken on the number one seed, Daniil Medvedev. But uh, first time ever two Canadian men have made it into the quarterfinals at the Australian Open. Um, you know, well, while we're talking cool bet, you know, Remo, I should give a shout out to everyone that watched the Lock Shop, that rode with us on the Lock Shop Partner Parlay. And if there was ever a time to pull out the hand and do a Barry Horowitz, it's right now. 4-0 against the spread. We nailed the partner parlay. It, I had all sorts of parlays with different picks together. Everything came in. In addition to the Chiefs winning in the fashion they did, I may have had my best sports betting weekend ever. Yeah, I think you asked me um, at the end of the show, too, what I thought. I was like, I hadn't looked at anything, but like Cooper Cup over everything. And if anyone took my half-assed advice, I'm sure they did pretty well because he he dominated. Uh, I had an okay day, uh, day on that game. I mean, if you just did a game, single game parlay or bet builder on cool bet and took over on all of them, you would have, have won. And, uh, that worked out. Worked did you out have for a, me. did you have Gabe Davis on your DraftKings team? Uh, yeah, I had him on a couple actually, but, um, I'd had some people who I had AJ Dillon who got injured. So I had some decent finishes, but, uh, I wasn't close, but yeah, I, I had a couple, I think I had three Gabe Davis, three or four Gabe Davis lineups. Of my, I don't know how I did. He's going to get totally forgotten. 200 yards, four touchdowns, and all anyone's going to remember is what happened at the end of the game, 13 seconds, and the Chiefs winning an OT. Yeah, um, I mean, it was an incredible performance. I mean, he's been, I think his, like, touchdown to catch percentage is, like, amazing, and he's passed uh, Sanders and Beasley on the depth chart there, and he had always been good when he would fill in, but um, he was ahead of so many other receivers. But uh, I was, that was the Gabe Davis game that, yeah, you're probably right. It's kind of like, um, remember the Super Bowl? Uh, Packers, not Packers, uh, Patriots, Seahawks. No one remembers the Chris Matthews game, the former bomber <laughs> who was on his way to MVP until, uh, sorry, until Mal- was, I can't even remember the guy's 
Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler. I was going to say Malcolm Brown. That's a running. Malcolm Butler uh, yeah. intercepted it to uh, was that Ricardo Lockett who was going to? Because I don't think Tyler, Tyler Lockett or was it Tyler Lockett? I'm so. This is a, a while ago. My memory is absolutely gone. I was at that game. That is still one of the most stunning events I have ever witnessed in per- person. And um, yeah, it was a tough pill to swallow for the Seahawks fans. The thought that they were just about to get another one. Um, you know, we touched on this a little bit with Jeff Hamilton earlier today, uh, but was it two racial incidents in minor league hockey last week, Remo? I mean, not a great, great day um, for the sport in general. I think everyone realizes that there's a lot of work still to do right now. And sometimes as ugly as these incidents are, um, you know, hopefully some good things can come out of them. Obviously hearing what um, the majority of the hockey world has uh, said publicly in support of Jordan Subban and the young player in the East in the uh, American league last week um, knows that uh, no place in the game for any of that. But unfortunately naive to think that it still doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, take place. Uh, that being said, um, a great moment for inclusion and diversity today. Vancouver Canucks announced They've got the first female assistant general manager in team history, Emile Castonguay, former agent, now the AGM of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, congratulations. Um, I know they were looking for a while, and um, another agent has uh, being hired by a team. You know, you know, she's was worked with some of the French players, notably uh, Alexis Lafreniere. So I. I do think you know, an agent would have a good idea, you know, about contracts, managing the salary cap. Uh, you know, I am, I said that we said this about Ken Hughes, like, um, you know, he wasn't, hadn't really worked in a front office before, but seems to be the way uh, things are going. So congratulations to her. Congratulations to the Canucks. Um, pretty cool to see. Oh, it was Ricardo Lockett. Yeah, it was Ricardo. It was Ricardo oh. Lockett. That makes it even worse. <laughs> that, that's who they're throwing to when you have Marshawn Lynch. Oh my God. Um, anyways, a uh, couple other things to uh, quickly touch on. We mentioned, of course, Stanley Bryant signed with the Blue Bombers on the weekend on Friday night. And today, Mike Benson gets inked Remo. And I'm convinced that the best job in all professional football, or maybe in professional sports, the long snapper. I don't know. A lot of pressure, man. Uh, I mean, you got to be, you got to be good. Uh, I don't think the precision um, that's required for long snapping is understood by many. You just assume that, oh yeah, it's easy. You just snap the ball to the, to the holder and he does it, or you snap it to the punter. Um, doesn't work. I don't think it's like that every time you have to do a lot of practice for long, uh, long snapping. So um, yeah, I mean, the Bombers are trying to bring the band back together. Kyle Walters holding an availability today. Touched on it with Jeff, but it seemed like they were trying to do O-line, D-line before, and now they're moving on to uh, DB's receivers. And I think the big question, Kenny Lawler, is he going to go to the NFL? I mean, he's the leading receiver in the, in the league. Um, you wonder what's going to happen there. And so we will wait. We will wait and see him running back, too. I mean, Andrew Harris, another big, big question. I see a lot of love for Johnny Augustine. And chat. I mean, you have three guys who've been pretty good. I mean, what do you? How many of them come back next year? We'll we'll wait and see. But you also they have the other guy, uh, Borsa, who they like as well. I saw a picture of him. That guy looked completely jacked. Yeah, he is. He uh, was. A, <laughs> I mean, a really, really dominant U sports athlete. A guy that the Bombers, you know, really did think was going to be part of their future plans. Even last season, I'd imagine he'll be part of the squad next year. Unlikely to think that, you know, all of Augustine 
Oliveira and Andrew Harris will be back. So um, I'm feeling they'll have another strong Canadian getting added to the mix for the Blue Bomber backfield. Uh, one other thing we should get to, Remus, and I know you watched it on the weekend. The heavyweights throwing down in the UFC and Francis Naganu wins on the weekend. Yeah, I didn't realize he was going to torn MCL. Yeah, I watched uh, I watched the last two fights. The lightweight fight, it's so, like these guys come out and they're like lightweights and they're smashing for five rounds. And then the heavyweights come on uh, and they're like double the size of the lightweights. I mean, these are two massive individuals. I've watched a couple of Naganu's fights before. Admittedly, not following UFC as much as I used to, but I um, mean, this guy is massive. He's a beast. And yeah, he fought with a torn MCL. Um, you know, hurt ACL as well. And he was defending takedowns, throwing bombs, had to do a bit more wrestling, didn't, you know, finish the guy. I think his conditioning was, was um, changed because, you know, had a hurt knee. So I think the biggest question now, though, is what's next for him in the UFC? And he said he wants to get paid. The UFC, you know, doesn't really pay their fighters the big bucks that you've seen other people get in boxing. And I'm, but he's, you know, a superstar. He's a big draw. I'm curious. I'm really curious what happens and what's it going to take for some <laughs> UFC fighters to band together and um, you know try to get their appropriate share of the revenue from the company. Yeah, well, um, listen, I think Dana White uh, has taken this somewhat personally. Apparently, Naganu said that his agent is being sued because he was talking mm -hmm. to Jake Paul's manager about doing boxing. Um, the bottom line is this was his last last fight under contract with the UFC. Um, and you know, like the old days in like pro wrestling, the guy would leave or he put the gar the belt in the garbage or, you know, move to, you know, one of those, uh, a different federation, if you will. There's the potential of that happening with the UFC heavyweight champion. And it was interesting. Dana White wasn't there to put the belt on him afterwards and did not attend the press conference either, which never happens with the UFC's biggest stars. So we'll have to get Aaron Bronstetter on at some point for uh, the latest on that. Some really interesting um, um, stuff from Ariel Hawani who does such a great job covering the world of MMA. He was on Bill Simmons going into the weekend and um, kind of laid all it out. So um, if you are interested about that, I know Ariel's got a ton of content coming out from the weekend and uh, the big win for the reigning UFC heavyweight champ. Uh, but we don't know where his next fight will take place. Uh, Wan, what a day. I think everyone needs probably a nice quiet night after a very, very busy weekend and a crazy day yesterday. Uh, just to finish up these cool bet lines, um, we got Anaheim and Boston tonight. Boston, a big favorite. Kings, Rangers, Rangers minus 152 at home. Uh, the Stars, a road favorite, minus 169 going into Philly to take on the Flyers. Uh, Remo, you thought that maybe Buffalo was the place where Philly would get it done? Nope, not so fast. They lose again 11 in a row after taking the L to the Sabres on Saturday. Yeah, it's so funny. Like you fire your coach, think, okay, we're turning things around, and then the new coach comes in and loses uh, ten, another ten in a row. So uh, I don't know what you, what you do there. Do you fire uh, the this guy? Do you fire Mike Yo or or what? But there's one positive about the Flyers. Uh, Keith Yandel. This is a record we thought never was going to be yes. broken. He is about to sit to tie Doug Jarvis tonight for most consecutive games played. I think that's even more impressive, especially this season where. You know, guys are being held out because of protocols. Uh, it hasn't affected Yandel, so uh, I mean, he'll pass it or in their next game. So, what an accomplishment! Start streak started in two thousand nine with the Coyotes. Um, so, big shout out to Keith Yandel. That is really hard playing over nine hundred consecutive 
NHL games. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, other games tonight, Caps minus 133 favorites at home against Vegas. Uh, Wild massive minus 370 home fave against uh, Les Canadiens. Uh, the Blues travel to Calgary to take on the Flames. Flames minus 152. Avalanche huge minus 345 favorite at home against the Blackhawks. And the Kraken plus 133 home dogs taking on the Nashville Predators. Oh, and we should mention, Remo, that the Edmonton Oilers won a game on the weekend, and uh, at least for a moment, people can take a deep breath in northern Alberta. Can they? I mean, I guess for a moment. they If they would have lost to Calgary, and it was looking that way early, it wasn't looking good, um, but they got the win. So, you know, keep the jerseys, what, jerseys <laughs> on, the, on the bodies for now. I don't need to throw them on ice. So, but I think that's a situation we'll be looking forward to. And I, I keep wondering, like, at what, at what point, do I mean they use say to McDavid and Dre said, so you know what, well, we failed you guys, move you on to uh, greener pastures. Does that ever happen? I mean, that's not what anyone in Edmonton wants to hear right now. I'll I want to hear it. Much. I'm here for that. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see McDavid. Like, if we get another season without McDavid in the playoffs, come on, it's not fair. You're depriving everyone hey, of greatness. Hey, he was in the playoffs last year. For four games. <laughs> <laughs> and then was out thanks to the Winnipeg I mean, it, Jets. It's not it's not his fault. Uh it's not his fault that they can't build a team around him. Come on. Hey, what uh what what is the hat you're wearing? People yeah, in the chat are wondering. People in the chat are wondering. Uh brand new, my new favorite AHL team or second favorite, Coachella, Coachella Valley Firebirds. Uh, my mom was in Palm Springs and got it for me, so thank you. That is wild. Like, Actually, Gregory just sent a DM of them announcing yeah. their new um, uh, uniforms today. They and I'm re- like, I think that's the hat that Remus is actually wearing right now. Yeah, it's new C- debut today. Seattle Kraken's uh, AHL team. So I've spent some time there in my life. Uh, I feel a closeness and I'm looking forward to going there and maybe seeing him. We'll, we'll see if I make yeah, it I'd like out. to be there right now, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, yeah. What uh, is it? My, we, minus 27 outside on my dial. For the next couple of days. I, it's listen, horrible. I have not gone. I probably will not go outside at all today. going to be low key after a pretty wild weekend. And, uh, oh my God, still buzzing from that game last night. Um, the good news is the Jets are back in action. And wow, Remo, tomorrow's going to be a great show. Scooch is going to join us. Joe Piscucci, uh, always love talking to Joe. Get his thoughts on the Jets, and they'll get ready for the visit of the uh, high-octane Florida Panthers coming off that mm. very rare loss to the Seattle Kraken of all teams. Yeah, he's been... Uh, Scooch had some fire tweets on the weekend after uh, oh. Saturday's game. I wonder if he was toned it down after Sunday's performance. Or maybe they saw the tweet and uh, decided to wake up that's themselves. why they had such a great game. Pro, pro, you know what? That's more likely what happened. No, well, it'll be great. So anyways, Joe will be on tomorrow. We'll get you ready for the Panthers and the Winnipeg Jets and much more on tomorrow's program. So uh, make sure you join us. Folks, if you haven't already, do us a favor. Hit that thumbs up button. Make sure that you are subscribed simply by pressing that red subscribe button. And thanks to everyone listening on podcast. If you do have the opportunity to, uh, you know, go into Apple Podcasts, just give us a five-star rating and a review certainly helps spread the channel as well. Um, Big thanks to Matt Libel and Jeff Hamilton for joining us. Of course, Michael Remus. Um, And uh, thanks to everyone as well. My personal collection team shaking down Ryan Friesen because 40 bucks coming this guy's way after finally we have some clarity to that bet that was made two or three months ago with, uh, with Brian Ryan. 
in the chat room. Uh, lots of fun. Uh, huge thanks to all of our sponsors, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Princess Auto, Canadian Club, Cool Bet Canada, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, and of course, Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery and our friends at Culligan Water. Folks, have a great night tonight. We will see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, getting you ready for the Jets and Panthers right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.